This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and it's another week of fun and excitement that we are kicking off. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. Gardner, try that again. And Gar. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Now Thanks, we are Ian. at it again. And our uh, website, by the way, freetalklive.com. That, again, is freetalklive.com for uh, all kinds of interesting things, which we'll be telling you a little bit more about. Uh, but, so, tonight, we've got a lot to, talking, uh, to talk about. Of course, your calls are primary. It is the show about your calls. You can call in about whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. And you can join us, once again, at freetalklive.com. Kind of uh, some disturbing news to start the show out with. I know this isn't exactly an upper but I stumbled across it during Saturday's show, and we didn't have time to slip it in. It comes out of uh, Missoula. Actually, you know what? I'm going to hold that. I'm going to hold that until hour two. Shame on me. That's, uh, that's hour tempting. two. That's, that's when Montana comes on board, so it makes more sense. Right. Uh, instead, we'll go to James Bovard, who I believe you've had on your show from time to time, Gardner. Yeah, and you know, it's great. A guy that I looked at as a hero has now become a, a friend, and uh, he's an amazing guy. James Bovard, awesome. So he's over, he's been published over at LewRockwell.com, and he's talking about the FBI and how they treated a terrorism suspect. And it ties into this whole factor of, well, we've just been losing our freedoms in this country, and mm-hmm. habeas corpus is out the door, yeah. and all of these other things that uh, we had been pretty proud to, to call our own in America that differentiated us from the rest of the world have been slowly slipping away. And this is yet another example of that situation. It's called the FBI's threat of torture. A federal appeals court has concluded that an FBI agent must go to trial on the charges he coerced a false confession out of a prime suspect in the uh, the 9-11 attacks. But the FBI still insists that its agent did nothing wrong. And the feds swayed the court to suppress that portion of a recent decision detailing how the FBI agent used the threat of torture to break an innocent man. Now, we've heard story after story over the years of local police coercing a uh, suspect, coercing a suspect uh, into giving a confession. And so that now we're now this is going to be a story from uh, about the FBI. Now, the Phibes can do such a thing. Right. (laughs) Uh, Abdallah Higazay. A 30-year-old Egyptian student, see, he's already in trouble, Yeah, arrived in New York City to study engineering at the Polytechnic University in Brooklyn on August 27, 2001, a U.S. foreign aid program reserved and paid for his room at the Millennium Hilton Hotel, which happened to be located next to the World Trade Center. After the first plane crashed into the World Trade Center, his, his Higazay got hot-footed it out of the hotel, and then after the terrorist attack, the hotel was sealed. Three months later, guests were allowed to retrieve their belongings. When Higazeg went to the hotel on December 17th, he was arrested and accused of possessing, uh, possessing an aviation radio. See, a hotel security guard reported finding the radio in a safe in his room. Uh-huh. Higazeg denied owning... That does sound somewhat suspicious. He denied owning the radio. He was arrested as a material witness and locked up in solitary confinement. Higazay wanted to clear his name, so he agreed to take a polygraph test. FBI agent Michael Templeton wired him up for the test, but then proceeded to browbeat him for three hours until he finally admitted to owning the radio. Higazay said the FBI agent warned him, quote, If you don't cooperate with us, the FBI will make sure Egyptian security gives your family hell, mm. unquote. The FBI refused to permit Higazay's attorney, Robert Dunn, to be in the room while he was giving the polygraph. 
seems a little strange. After the interrogation, Higazay was trembling and sobbing uncontrollably, according to the attorney. On January 11, 2002, Higazay was li- indicted for lying to a federal agent. Remember, that's, in case you don't know, that's illegal. Telling a lie to a federal agent is a federal crime. So they can lie to you with impunity. No yes. problem. Yeah. Uh, FEMA, for instance, holding a fake press conference, that's telling a <laughs> lie. Uh, but they don't get any trouble for that, while we would. U.S. Attorney, but was he lying? U.S. Attorney Dan Himmelfarb declaimed uh, that the crime that was being investigated when the false statements about the radio were made is perhaps the most serious in this country's history. A radio that can be used for air-to-air and air-to-ground communication is a significant part of that investigation. The Washington Post noted that federal officials paraded Higazay before the media as a terrorist. The feds never bothered checking with the U.S. foreign aid program to find out whether Higazay's story about why he was staying at the hotel next to the World Trade Center was even true. The prosecutorial cell well, they had a radio, damn it, and that's all they needed, apparently. The prosecutorial celebration flopped three days later when an American pilot showed up at the Millennium Hilton Hotel and asked for the aviation radio that he had left in his room when the hotel was evacuated on 9-11. Wow. So you might ask yourself, well, how did that botch up happen? How did they end up attributing this radio to Higazay when it was somebody, an entirely different guest's radio? How did they claim that it had come out of Higazay's safe? Well, the safe's in the room. And, That's true. I mean, the safe's right in the room. All safes are in rooms. I mean, you know, they, is all you have to do. What if the, the guest left it there? Well, it soon became apparent that the hotel security guard who, get this, was a former cop who had been fired by the Newark de- uh, Police Department, had lied, lied about finding the radio in Higazay's room. The case collapsed, and a few days later, Higazay was awarded $3 for subway fare oh, and released no. from jail. $3. Hmm. The FBI conducted an internal investigation and absolved Agent Templeton, the guy that browbeat Higazay mm-hmm. into admitting committing a crime that he never committed. Sort of threatened him into it with the, the, the threat on his family. I imagine it got a little more intense than that in the actual interrogation room. But yes, we know at the very least they, they threatened his family. Anything more intense than a threat against uh, a threat of violence against your family is really just violence. I mean, at some point, it's, what else is he going to do? Right. Uh, I mean, <laughs> so... The, I'm going to beat you up. Well, I either know whether you're going to beat me up or not, because you'd be beating me up already. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, a threat against a family member, that's really the next the next step after threatening a family member. I can't think of any ste- interim step between you threatening your family with violence um, and, you know, they're the FBI. They could likely do it. Mm-hmm. And then beating give you. Them a little, give them a little rendition, you know, put them on a plane, take them to someplace secret. Well, I haven't beaten I, within I would, an inch of their life. I would think they would beat you here for, before they'd send you off on uh, rendition and then really start the uh, the fun stuff. So the FBI did an internal investigation, and guess what they found out? Well, Agent Templeton was absolved of any wrongdoing. In late 2002, which again is typical, it doesn't matter if it's your local police department all the way on up to the FBI, whenever they investigate themselves... They always they always do this. I mean, if one of their agents or one of their uh, employees gets caught doing something naughty, they'll always run an internal investigation and then they'll report back that yep, everything's fine. Or if not everything's not fine, they'll come back and say we've taken care of the matter. Yes, it seems almost as if this closed circle does this because they want to make sure that if they screw up, they will be protected by all the other guys as well. Exactly. 
Exactly. It's, uh, it's in, in the world of police, it's called the thin blue line. They uh, they close ranks. Yeah. They lock down whenever one of their own is in trouble. Yeah. And it's really awful. Um, they usually come to the aid of some just scummy, despicable people. I don't know if uh, this agent is necessarily scummy or despicable. Um, no, he just threatens somebody's family. Well, I you know, I, I understand <laughs> what, what? you I understand what you're saying, but uh, just because somebody does one thing wrong doesn't make them scummy or despicable. You know, I mean, every no, but that's an indicator of uh, potential scumminess and despicableness. Uh, despicable. Well, the action is, the the action is scummy and despicable. Yeah. The agent, and I don't it's likely know. he does. He's done this before. It's, it's possible likely he's threatened more people because if you threaten one person, you obviously don't have any moral compunction against behaving in that way, and you are likely, I would say, very likely to have done that in other cases. I just think cases that, that weren't as um, well, high profile. In those, and so those other in the cases, right circumstances, I think a lot of people would consider um, torture to get the, the right uh, information out of a subject. The problem is... Well, a lot of people are scummy and despicable. Well, so. the problem is that sometimes um, you get the wrong subject and, you know, you've tortured the wrong guy. Well, the problem is torture. Yeah, because of those reasons. Yeah. It's inhumane and awful. 800-259-9231, but yet the FBI said, no problem here, just, hey, twist their arm a little bit, threaten their family, do what you got to do. That's the, apparently the official policy. A few more thoughts on this and yours as well if you make the call at 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Features for free, so enjoy those on us, including archives. So if you've missed a moment of the program, just go and download them. They're on us again. That's freetalklive.com. Come And your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com. For the sleep you've been dreaming of, that's SavvyRest.com. We are talking about the FBI and how they apparently were really just out of control with their treatment of a suspect. Well, not the FBI. An FBI agent appears hey, to have been out they, of control. they like to use collectivist terms, so why can't we use collectivist and, and terms besides, like that? they had the internal investigation and found no wrongdoing of this guy who browned this Thank you, thank you. So well, the you FBI go. has said that what this agent did was a- absolutely A-OK. Yeah. They had a guy that mm. was uh, was in a hotel room next to the World Trade Center with an Egyptian-sounding name, so therefore he must be a suspect. And His name was Toot Uncommon, and it was very, very bad. Mm-hmm. Had to get rid of that guy. He was cursed. You and know? it turns out that there was some do-gooder hotel security guard that uh, used to be, a, I guess, from the Newark Police Department, and he had been fired by them, uh, had, who had lied about finding a marine radio, or an air, uh, excuse me, a a two-way radio. Anyway, it was found in his uh, his hotel room, allegedly. Turns out it wasn't found in his hotel room. But either way, the FBI used that, or their their agent used that, 
It seems, as, well, it seems like a damning piece of evidence. As reason to browbeat this man uh, and threaten his family, threaten his family with torture and apprehension by Egyptian people, the, by the Egyptian government, if he didn't cooperate with their investigation, including uh, confessing to owning the radio, which he, he didn't own. The fact is, later on down the line, the real owner of the radio came forward to claim it, and that's when they were caught red-handed. Uh, caught with their pants down, if you will. Because otherwise, this guy probably would have gone to jail yeah. as a terrorist oh, based on this radio. Yep. Stunning. Just unbelievable. It, well, thank goodness James Bovard, you know, he, he's he got some great books, too. People should check out his website. That's who was writing so the you, article. you got this piece that's on Lou Rockwell, right? <laughs> yeah, LouRockwell.com. Oh, man. Excellent piece. So, the FBI investigates itself and absolved its agent, Agent Templeton, of any wrongdoing. So, no problem. D- didn't matter. To, doesn't matter to us that you have threatened this man's family uh, with violence. That's okay. That's all part of the normal course of investigating here at the FBI. I mean, that's that's the message they're sending out. And Americans shouldn't be surprised. If you are surprised, this just tells me you haven't really been paying that much attention to the way the police in this country have been behaving. Yeah. They've been becoming more and more militarized over the years. They've got more and more, you know, military equipment at the police department, including battle helmets and armored personnel carriers and machine guns and sniper rifles and so on and so forth. And this is the other side of it. You know, they get brutal. They get violent when you're in their custody. And if you aren't um, participating in their little system, they get very, very upset. We've seen this uh, lately here in here in New Hampshire with the Lauren Canario case. And I don't know how closely you've been following this on your show. Gardner yeah, Gardner does his that. own radio show. You can tune in over at libertyconspiracy.com. It's called Against the Grain. Except, of course, the sound files for today are useless, but we'll tell you about that later. Well, generally, uh, you can tune yeah. in at libertyconspiracy.com. He's still got lots of uh, recorded yeah, shows out there. Just because you had a frustrating incident yeah, today doesn't mean that the whole world's blowing up on you. But the sure. system can get very, very violent with you, and... Uh, it, it can do things that it supposedly isn't allowed to do. Uh, in the case of Lauren Canario, our friend who was arrested for not showing her papers here in New Hampshire, she is still in jail now for 26 days at, at least, maybe 27 at this point, almost an entire month. Uh, she has been jailed for not showing the police her papers. Now, there's supposed to be a 24-hour right to arraignment in New Hampshire. It's apparently yeah. in the Constitution. Yeah. Uh, and so that means that you're supposed to see a judge and have that judge, you know, put in a plea for you and do the things that they do in an arraignment within 24 hours of an arrest. It's now been 27 days, and she has yet to see that arraignment. And their excuse is, well, she won't get off the bus. What was her supposed transaction in the fir- uh, uh, trans- transgression, transgression in the first place? Well, they charged place? her with five BS charges, or a, a couple of BS charges, and the ones about not having registration. Uh, the, the car wasn't registered. She didn't have her papers to show. They were expired, I guess. And then there were the other ones like, you know, disobeying a police officer, resisting arrest, the other garbage charges that they throw in on people they don't like. Disturbing the peace, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, she's a real disturber. No, yeah, I, I don't think that she actually. I, I don't oh, think that she got di- disturbing the peace. And she didn't even, say anything. But you know, and those. she hasn't even been arraigned yet. Not yet. Twenty-seven days now. And that what they're saying is that it's because she didn't consent to get off the bus. So they carried her out of her cell because she doesn't cooperate with the police. Right. She she they carried her out of her cell they and they carried her, on her the onto the transport vehicle and they they took her to the jail swung open the doors of the bus, and then they just stood there. And 
They said that, well, because she didn't get off the bus, therefore she has waived her right to a 24-hour arraignment, and we will held her, uh, we will be holding her indefinitely until she consents to go into the courtroom. That is she so has, bogus. She has, what is... You think that's bogus? Yeah, I think yes, it's, it's bogus. Oh, why the hell should a bureaucrat have to carry her limp body they into the courtroom? They arrested her. They didn't have to arrest her in the first place. Now she's their problem. Oh, now she's their problem. She didn't go off the bus, dude. Why the hell should she get it? If she wants... They carried her the on the damn bus. right there. They carried her on the bus. The, Why couldn't they carry her Now out? she's incarcerated. They carried her out of the bus Look, when they took her back has, to the jail. If she wants the right to a trial, she could darn well get out of the bus and walk her butt she in there and She doesn't care about trial. their trial. That's the deal. She doesn't care. So why the hell should I? I don't think that the because provision of, <laughs> of, positive, of positive bodily action is in any way resisting anything or, or causing any problems. If these guys want to transport her, they can transport right. her. Right. She they doesn't have... They could have they could have easily put a jacket on her and and walked her out of that place if they right. wanted to. She doesn't have an obligation to play by their rules, Mark. She doesn't. There is no obligation on her to do that. Then so why if did, they want Then why does she have? Then why do they have an obligation to provide her with this? Because it's written down in their pesky thing. little constitution. Well, See, she they did, have these things they that they call constitutions, Mark. And right. you seem to like the one at the federal Look, level. I but think they should feed her too, care. but I don't think that they should have to lift a damn spoon to her mouth. I'm not saying Lauren's a bad person. I think Lauren's a great person, but I don't think that she's I don't think that she deserves a court um, them to carry her um, like a like the emperor into the court. No, she doesn't. Like so she she doesn't deserve a trial. That's what you're saying. You don't care about the constitution. She's had several trials. You don't care about. She's had several trials. Ian, no, yeah, she hasn't she even has. been arraigned. Yes, she has. No, she hasn't. She had her. No, no, her arraignment was there for her to take. She decided not to take it. That's all. No, she just decided to not cooperate with their BS. And but, as a result, got thing. no damn arraignment. This is the thing. If she's in their custody, uh-huh. I don't think the presumption, and just in my opinion, I don't think to, if you're in somebody else's custody, the presumption is that you you are under their control. So should I provide? Should we the taxpayer be obligated to provide her with an iron lung to make sure she breathes? How about a servant to stick a spoon in her mouth no, too? No, Look, absolutely not. Lauren Canario, she's eating, Mark. So you're being absurd. I'm just but, saying you're the one who says that she's that we're obligated to carry her to court. Are we obligated to do everything for yes, her? Yes. If if indeed no, we're the, not. Okay. You know, no. you know what, Mark? I, I think this is really telling about your viewpoint. Is that you know you you like to tout how important constitutions are because you're a small government guy and everything. You love your government. You just like it small. And you talk about how important constitutions are and that they're the law of the land, the highest law of the land, blah, blah, blah. Well, that means you should have that same respect for the New Hampshire Constitution, which makes it very clear that people that are accused of crimes are given this arraignment within 24 hours, and she has not been – it's been waived for her. She and was given BS. the arraignment. It's nonsense. She, she was wasn't given even there the for it when they could have brought her there. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies 2008. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Features on the site we give away, and there's a wiki there, over 1,400 pages created by listeners like you. It's the wiki at wiki.freetalklive.com, w-i-k-i.freetalklive.com. Are you prepared for the day the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. Go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. That's D2Z.org. All right. 
I'm not done with this Lauren Canario situation. I still think we need to iron. Ding, ding, round iron, two. Yep, we need to iron some more <laughs> things out here. I think uh, you, you're really sad, Mark, in your pathetic defense of the state uh, and I, its and tyranny. And so are your ad hominem attacks. Go ahead. <laughs> it is a, a pathetic defense of the state and its tyranny they're enforcing you, upon us. You have a, a, a pathetic... Uh, you're reaching so far here, Ian. I'm reaching? She hasn't been given her arraignment. She hasn't. Like hell, she hasn't she been has given not. her arraignment. She arraignment. technically, sir, has not been given her Look, arraignment. If, now, they you drove, would... if they drove the truck through the wall of the court, bam! And they're right in there in the courtroom, and then... Then they step on the gas so that she tumbles out of the back. Has she now been given her arraignment? No. Then what's happened is that she's managed to show that the state is forceful. The state uses violence to get what it wants. She's already shown that. Let's, she's let's, got what she wants. Let's give you a hypothetical then. Let's okay. say hypothetically uh, a woman is arrested who has uh, psychological dysfunction where she believes that she can't walk. She's had this for years. Mm-hmm. She's brought into jail. Everybody knows she can walk, but she just has this psychological dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Whether it's voluntary or involuntary, well, that's based you, – you can get different opinions on it sure. from psychologists. Mm-hmm. But uh, you never know. Maybe she's doing it on purpose. There's got to be somebody not. in the world who can't walk because they think they can't walk, right. right? So hypothetically, you could have that person in that situation, and she is, in, she is, a, a, in, she is the charge now of the state okay. because they have arrested her for their reasons – so, in order to take care of her based on what they're supposed to do... Which means they have to follow their own prescribed guidelines. Right, to, to, to do what they're supposed to do, they should get her into the courtroom. Okay, well, was she in a handicapped vehicle, um, like a no, handicapped rented no, vehicle? but, but She walked into the vehicle that she got into? Yeah, but... The, the sight of a police officer makes her believe that she can't walk? Right, but the, reasoning, the reasoning behind <laughs> it, the reasons behind then, it... Then, if she really wanted to do it, yep. like yeah, she'd, drag her, she'd drag herself hand over hand. Yep. I know what you're saying. She'd make some kind of effort. She has no obligation to do that. We'll we'll put a wheelchair at the end of the truck. She can drag herself hand over hand to the wheelchair. She managed to walk her ass into the the car. She can walk her ass out of that truck. What it comes down to is you could have a lot of people in that hypothetical situation. I know it might sound absurd saying that that woman is capable of walking in there. She did not walk in. Therefore, she forfeits her right to her arraignment. Therefore, she forfeits her freedom, because we need to talk about this case. Now, Mark, you can sit there and blindly assert that she was arraigned, but the fact of the matter is she oh, was not arraigned. Oh, I didn't say she was arraigned. You did. The, you said no, no. she got her arraignment. The statement was, no, I said she was given her arraignment. In the same way that you can give me an M&M, peanut M&M, and you can set it right here. Here, Mark, this uh-huh. is your peanut M&M. Set it right there. And I don't have to choose to pick it up and take it. Hey, I don't have to a, eat the damn M&M. Right, but I'm not going to lock you example. in a prison cell for eternity if you They're don't take the M&M. They're not locking her in a prison she cell for being, not getting her arraignment. They'll let her out exa- within the next couple of weeks. But check um, this out. Yes, that's what they're doing. Hold on a second. Okay. That's exactly what they're doing. They have told her that she will be in jail until... She decides to accept the arraignment from them and get off the little prison bus. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. You know, she, they've let uh, cops have let Lauren out. Oh in no, the past. I understand that they might let her out in the future. We, we're all hoping that they do. But if they don't, you are you do understand and comprehend, Mark, that you are talking about what amounts to if they don't let her out at some random point, what amounts to an indefinite arrest and an indefinite imprisonment. How many for times Lauren a week Canario? are they coming and asking her if she wants an arraignment? Uh, well, we haven't heard from her in a, a matter of well, weeks. Well, the last time you heard. The last time we heard, they came, they were coming there every day to ask oh, her if she wanted an arraignment. every day she gets asked if she wants an arraignment. And what's she say? She doesn't speak to them, so... 
<laughs> here's, here's a quick question. Um, Good uh, for if her. You, if you, you know got... what? That state is full of violence. They wouldn't. They wouldn't dare. Give Go ahead with your point, Gardner. Uh, Tired no. of this smarmy right, laugh. Right. Tired well, of it. I was going to say, <laughs> there have been other instances where uh, criminals who have been in jail cells have done done things to themselves that have been injurious uh, prior mm-hmm. to their arraignment. Sure. Uh, nonetheless. The the state, which has an obligation to arraign these guys, has gotten them into court. And what what you got here is a game being played between Lauren and her deal of I'm not going to move when mm-hmm. you tell me to move, and these guys and their effrontery at that. And that's mm-hmm. what's activating this, obviously, clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yep. the unspoken thing. Yep. So what is going on here is if if she were to do something else to herself, you know, like knock herself out and be in a hospital room. And then they said, oh, well, you know, she's injured and stuff. She can have a tough time walking. We will wheel her in for the arraignment. Oh, right. that's yeah, what absolutely. They would do. If she was physically um, in that sort of shape, that, that's what they would but do. But it would still be her this, choice. You're right. Is what this I'm is saying. a game of, uh, you know, who can, hold out, who can hold their breath the longest. Right. And, and she knows, as well as they do, that um, they, they are in a better position to hold their breath than, than she is. Yeah. But she wants to show the violence of the state and that the state is forced and all that other stuff. And I'm fine with that. I'm, I believe she has a right to try. I do. I just don't think that you can communicate that right, or tr- right to travel to people um, in a very uh, efficient manner. Well, that's a whole other issue. Yeah, that's and, a whole other issue. Right. But be- beyond where the current situation is of how they are treating a woman who has just decided to to remain silent, right. that's obs- what she has chosen to do. And, and so, not in move. order to punish her for remaining, so- you also don't have. An, if you don't have to speak, you don't have to move either. <laughs> so she has chosen to not speak, and she's chosen to not participate in their system. She's chosen to not sign their paperwork, mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to deal with them. And so the punishment for that is that you get to stay in jail forever until we decide <laughs> to let you out. And that's that. You don't. Do you agree with that? punishment or not mark how do you feel about the way they are treating her by via locking her in a prison cell and saying you either cooperate with us or we will keep you forever well i want lauren to have whatever lauren wants in life i think that what lauren wants is is um is the most important thing to lauren and lauren wants to stay locked up in that cell so I guess that's what she should get. I don't think that you know what Lauren wants. You can ask her what she wants after she gets well, out. I think what she that, wants is for the government to go away. Right, but in, in, the, her, in the process, her being in the cell is a means to an end. Obviously, it's a means to an end. I, you know, she and she's getting. Look at this. Forty minutes now, and we've discussed <laughs> Lauren on a nationally syndicated radio no, show. It's been like twenty. Okay, great. Um, she's getting what she wants. And I, 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 but don't expect me. I am not outraged. I will not be not outraged. All, huh? I, life no. sentence. Life sentence for just not participating. <laughs> she's not, not outraged by that. She doesn't have a life it's sentence. It's an indefinite Ian. sentence, sir. Look, until they let her out, she's in for life. You understand that, d- d- Ian? Can, can, you got that? Now she. Hello, Mark. Hey, how many, Hello, how many Mark. times? How many times a day do they have to come and ask her if she wants an arraignment for you to think it's fair, Ian? Um, they don't have to come None. and ask her. They any. can come. They can say it from from dawn to dusk. They can say, "Please, we want you to have an arraignment. Come, just get. Just all you have to do is walk out of the and back of the her, truck." And of course, for her, what she's in is a situation now where if she does walk in, she's buckling. Yeah, and, oh, and yeah. breaking on principle, right. clearly. I mean, she it's like a 1984 that. situation. I don't think she will. I, I, she I personally do. I, I know that w- Lauren is a woman of iron will. Right. Um, and I don't think that she's going to buckle under no. that kind of pressure. No, and, and then the really alternative don't. could be posed to her is that psychologist alternative, which, again, for her would be a breach of her principle. If, if someone were to say, Look, listen, Lauren, here's what you do. 
Get a get a doctor in here. Tell them you've got this phobia of the state. You've got this you've got this uh, you know insane phobia of the state, and therefore you don't participate. You don't do anything. You close up in your shell. You withdraw. We can we can get a rationale for that, and then we can get you in. And that way, it'll look like you you know you haven't really fallen. But to her, that would be breaking her principles because mm-hmm. she's finding an excuse to try to figure out a way to. Yeah, well, she doesn't okay, want, I want my arraignment. I want to get out of right. here. Right. She does, She wants to look. not to participate in the system. Right. And she wants can, to show the inherent violence in the system, and she's doing that. Brilliantly. That much is true. Uh, will she be released? How soon she will be released? We don't know. She's been held for months uh, down in New London, where they did. Now this is interesting. They did take her right. from point to, from point to point Picked in, in New London. Took her. Mm-hmm. Now it's interesting because Connecticut is seen as being more tyrannical in many ways than uh, than New Hampshire is. Well, but New Hampshire's New Hampshire. not using force on Lauren to pick her up and move her. So I think that you could make the the argument in either direction. No, they there. they have, no, you don't understand, Mark. They have picked her up and moved her everywhere except for off of the bus into the courtroom. They move her around everywhere else. Everywhere else. No problem. Going from her car into the cop car. Going from the cop car into the jail. She has jail into from the, the jail, jail cell, cell, though. The jail cell from the, to the bus. That's, there's just that one point. So there's something about that consent to go into the courtroom that's very important to these bureaucrats, hmm. and she's not giving it to them. More on the way. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are completely free. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping at the Free Talk Live store. We've got all kinds of great merchandise like Free Talk Live hats and T-shirts and hoodies and uh, other things like the DVD Classic Archive collector sets and more. All there at store.freetalklive.com. That is store.freetalklive.com. By the way, just as an aside, I, th- I think we're done with the Lauren discussion. We've pretty much tashed it out. Mm. But uh, Lauren Canario, our friend, being held in Hillsborough County Jail here in uh, New Hampshire for not showing her papers to the authorities. And I had done some video editing, and I'd mentioned that it was going to be posted over the weekend at freekeen.com. It has been posted. So if you want to go on the Lauren Canario video tour and uh, take a look at the courthouse and take a look at the jail and the protests that were happening there, then you can see that over at freekeen.com. It's in two parts, and it's right there on the front page, freekeen.com. Yeah. You know, I just want to mention, you, know, you started the hour talking about this uh, FBI story with James Bovard at lourockwell.com. Yes. And um, uh, what I thought was uh, was interesting, as I mentioned to you guys during one of the breaks, is I actually got the opportunity to speak with former FBI Director Louis Free last week on my show. Mm-hmm. And he's pushing for one of the presidential candidates on the Republican side out there. And uh, it's not Ron Paul, you might have guessed. <laughs> and um, What a surprise. Yeah, so, you know, I, was, I, I went with some of the generic questions of the horse race stuff. Well, it looks like it'll be Hillary Clinton on the Democrat side. And oh, on the Republican <laughs> side, it looks like oh, national security seems to be a big issue on the, and the border, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, you know, he answered a bunch of things. So I, I sort of gave him a couple bones and then... And then finally, I was like, look, you know, I, I would be doing a disservice to my listeners if I didn't ask you some questions as the former FBI director of the United States here on my show. If I didn't ask you some questions, that might be, you know, something they wanted to hear, which is, for example, uh, can you provide me with the constitutional justification for federal drug laws? Mm. And there was this pause. 
and I could hear the clowns coming out of the car for a little while. <laughs> and uh, finally said, well, you know, the preamble of the Constitution says blah, 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 blah. And I thought to myself, my gosh, these guys, they're just as bad as the lefty progressives. They're the yep. preamble. And then I said, and what about habeas corpus? Uh, do, you, do, you, do you think that there is justified criticism of the Bush administration about the habeas corpus and, and whether or not that's being provided to people who are considered detainees? Well, let's remember, Gardner, that there were no Americans who were ever uh, not afforded habeas corpus. This like, doesn't oh. happen to Americans. Yeah, and I said, I, so I let him go, and I just sat there, and I thought it was fairly clear to the listeners if they're hmm. you know bright, they would understand, and, and if not, I and didn't you were want to push them break, too hard. Right? Yeah, so we were up against a break, so I came back, and I was like, look, just if you want to remember, the man's name was Jose Padilla, and he was an American. Wait, wait, Gardner, was Gardner, Gardner when, he says, when he says no Americans have to worry about it, you know, what he really means is white people don't have to yes, worry about it. Yes, yes, yeah, that's, that's right. White you know, respectables, you mean. Pigmentation right. is all. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, a, a last name like Padilla, hmm, it, yeah, it, it, it sounds suspicious already, and then they can paint him with that whole he was part of a Latin gang thing and wanted yeah. to blow up. Yeah, the Super Bowl and uh, yeah, let's come for a bunch s- of innuendo that they never, um, you know, never convicted him of. Let's no, let's right. go ahead and come full, full circle here because I actually never finished the James Bovard story about uh, this guy that was forced into an, uh, to incriminating himself, uh, forced into admitting that he he owned a a, a radio uh, like a an, an airport or a marine radio that he didn't own. Yeah, that's, and he was that's the part that's most amazing in the story to me. Is he admitted to owning yeah. the radio yeah. just to make whatever it was that was happening to him stop. Stop. Yep. Now, I'm not saying that it was a physical... You know, I'm not saying they were beating him with a leather strap across his face. I'm not saying that. I don't know whatever, what it was. But somehow or another... Uh, some, some, they did something to yep. him that made him come to the point where he just he was say, okay, okay, I, it's my, um, it's my air, airport radio. No, the truth airline, ended up airplane radio. The truth mm. uh, ended up coming out, and so the FBI conducted an internal investigation, and they ended up finding out that no, there's nothing done wrong. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. He can threaten whatever carry he wants on, and torture him. These no aren't problem. the George you're looking for. Uh, in late 2002, Higsay sued, asserting the FBI's coercive interrogation violated his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. Federal Judge Naomi Buchwald dismissed his case, declaring that Agent Templeton's conduct and threats as a matter of law cannot be classified as conscience-shocking or constitutionally oppressive. Wow. Can you believe this? Holy <laughs> Let me mackle. read that again. It's because it's pretty important. The judge said, Agent Templeton's conduct and threats, we know he at the very least threatened this man's family, he the had safety to have done of his something. family. Oh. At the very least. Uh, she says, as a matter of law, can't be classified as conscience-shocking or constitutionally oppressive. That's translation, this is no big deal. Yep. Our agents can threaten you with whatever they want to, and if you sign their, uh, you know, their confession statements, then, well, too bad for you. I, you see, I find this an outrage. That's amazing. Well, this is outrageous. Yeah, it is what outrageous. What if a bunch of people came over and took that woman away? Uh, you know, for a number the of judge? days. The judge? Yeah. Well, she's a judge. I'm sure she has special protections. She's an agent. She's, oh, the state. Yeah. She's white. Perhaps Buchwald yes. believed that as long as Higazay's mother and sister. <laughs> 
were not brutalized in front of him during the interrogation, the FBI had done nothing wrong. A federal appeals court overturned this decision on uh, October 19th, declaring Higgs' case deserved to go to trial. Well, good. The original version of the decision detailed the tactics Templeton purportedly used to get Higgs' confession. Two hours later, the court removed that portion of the decision from the Internet. The redacted portion of the decision, which was captured by bloggers before it was taken down, hooray for the Internet, uh, noted that the FBI agent admitted to knowing that Egyptian laws are different than ours, that they are probably allowed to do different things in that country. Yeah, probably about torture, sure. That's a quote from the excerpts. Thus, Templeton was aware that his threat would terrify, he could say. The revised court decision replaced such key details with the following mundane notice, quote, For the purposes of the summary judgment motion, Templeton did not contest that Higgins' statements were coerced. So they actually took the original alleged quotes from Templeton, the agent, the, the alleged threats, they extracted them from the court document and replaced them with that last statement. What? Are you kidding me? No. They, the, the, the new statement is that Templeton didn't congest, or contest rather that Higgins' statements were coerced. So they just put this little summary in there instead of the actual threats that this man made. The FBI has uh, long taught its agents that subjects of their investigation have forfeited their right to the truth, according to the Ethics Study Guide at the FBI Academy. Perhaps now, according the, the, Hold on. The subjects of an investigation have forfeited their right to the truth. That's what the FBI apparently teaches its agents. Well, I do understand Academy. that it's regu- it, it happens on a regular basis that cops will lie to, to uh, suspects. They're trained to lie. For instance, yes. if I'm a cop and I've got uh, you two hoodlums in, in, de- in separate rooms right, and right. Um, you're accused of uh, stealing stuff out of a Walmart, I'll say, look, Gardner. So-and-so just squealed. You know. you, you, Ian's, you know, Ian's already broke, and he said that you guys did, uh, you know, did this. I Look, if I can get your corroboration... I can, go easy I can on talk you. to the judge. I can get you a lesser sentence. It, it'll right. be a lot easier for yeah. you. Right. Otherwise, happens all the time, that stuff. Ian's going to testify against you to get a, uh, a lower um, you know, sentence in, entirely, and then you're going to do all the time. And believe me, I've seen that happen. Right. Um, right. You know, that's, it, it's a real Barry possibility. Barry Cooper has been on the show, former law enforcement officer. No, no, I'm saying that this. it really does happen with suspects, too. One will turn on the other, and um, oh, sure. you know, then two guys that did the same thing, one will get significantly less time than the other one did. And why? Because he co- cooperated with the police. Right. He snitched. So, yeah. according to the ethics guide, the subje- subjects of the investigation have forfeited their right to the truth. Perhaps, according to federal lawmen, it's a small step from lying to suspects to threatening to have their kinfolk tortured. The agency has done nothing in the nearly six years since this case began to, re- to indicate that the methods used in the Higazay case did not receive the full approval of FBI headquarters. The initial Higazay arrest and release were landmarks showing how far the feds would go to gin up evidence and headlines for the war on terror. The fact that the FBI approved of its agents' methods and the fact that a federal judge saw no problem with the investigation or the interrogation are further warning signs of constitutional decay. Keep your eyes on this case because it could help determine how far the feds can go to destroy the lives of innocent people. And, you know, again, these are just the things we're hearing about, right? Who knows what else they've done or who else they're holding. This is what they have have that, um, you know, the the press has managed to put together a cohesive story and and we have an idea of what's um, going on. How many people did they pick up after they figured out, oh, wow, the civil rights activists are really going to give us hell about this. How many people did they pick up and... Torture, God knows what. Well, I know in James's uh, first book about the Bush administration, uh, the Bush betrayal, he mm-hmm. mentions the number of folks who were just basically carted off, uh, who were there protesting uh, George Bush early on when we were going into Iraq, and uh, 
you know, they just had signs and they were at, you know, college appearances or something like that or by airports or something and they're gone and, uh, and you know, they, they had to spend a lot of time in jail, couldn't go to see it, they couldn't get attorneys to be uh, seen, to see them and things like that and, you know, these sorts of things, they can play these games with people so much. How, how does one of the supporters of the state, the current organization of the state, you know, the Bush cheerleaders, how would a Bush cheerleader defend this? I mean, knowing this guy wasn't in any way connected with terrorism now, knowing the truth in the case. If they aren't going to bother defending it, they're just going to ignore the just information. pretend like it never happened. Right. You know, they're, they've already turned off their radio, and they're ignoring it. More on the way. You take control. Hour two's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are for free, so enjoy them on us. That's freetalklive.com. We need to roll right into the phone calls here. People have been waiting patiently. Let's start with Jason in San Diego. Jason, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Jason, San Diego, going once. Hello? Hey there. Hey, Jason. Hey. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no problem. What's on your mind? You know, I just want to say, you know, as a kid growing up, I had always wondered why the Soviets gave up during the Cold War. And now after having read reams of declassified documents that can be found at federationofamericanscientists.org, I've concluded that uh, we've basically put up in space uh, hundreds of stealth missile and laser platforms. In fact, there were patents filed for stealth satellites in uh, the 1960s, as early as 1963, which were basically inflatable skirts that would go around satellites and give them a radar signature of about, well, at least in terms of the patent, it claimed about one square centimeter. And uh, if you know about the work that Edward Teller was doing, he wanted us to build, and we actually did test, hydrogen bomb um, pumped lasers, basically lasers big enough to actually wipe out whole cities in space. And what I think that we did is we actually put over the Soviet Union and their silos, these stealth satellites. So the second that the Soviets decided to launch, uh, automatically we would uh, these lasers would go off and basically zap the, the missiles right there in the silos. So I think that we're actually in violation of you know the Space Weapons Treaty and have been so since the since the 60s. Although now hold on a second, you're saying that you've gleaned all this information from your personal research uh, on some website. Well, yeah, you can go to Federation of American Scientists. Uh, there, go to their website, and they actually have uh, a bunch of PDFs that you can take a look at on the nuclear space program that uh, we've been working on for the past 60 years. And that's the thing is that uh, the United States has had up to five programs that I've counted that uh, produced basically what you call nuclear thermal rockets. Basically, these are using nuclear reactors. Uh, you know, in, in, in rocket engines. So you're running uh, hydrogen through, uh, you know, through a nuclear reactor, which is, you know, really hot, and you're, you're using that in order to basically put up, you know, large amounts of, um, you know, satellites. or satellites that weigh a lot more than, than what you would normally think. And, so, in fact, there's actually open source information that you can go to in engineering, in the engineering library that I just checked out over here at UCSD that says that, you know, basically we had been planning to put, you know, things that, uh, you know, nuclear-powered rockets 
in the upper stages of, of conventional rockets. In fact, there was actually a plan to put to actually it's all put very interesting. What's the point? Rockets in the Saturn V in the upper stages, and so we're talking about um, basically that in the upper stages. Of, how is this relevant uh, to me today, Jason? I mean, it's all well, very, how is very this academic. relevant to you today because this tells us how we won the Cold War. I think that the Russians they couldn't compete. They couldn't. Uh, put up these types of weapons in space, and um, and this is what this is what didn't we win the for. Cold War after they dissolved the USSR? Yeah, exactly. I think that the Soviets why would they dissolve that, their state uh, simply because we there basically was... nullified their you know their their ICBMs. Well, there's it... just no way in which. Uh, we basically made I don't it obsolete. The ICBMs having anything to do with it? I mean, I remember people in um, Russia milling about their little, um, you know, their, their version of the uh, the the White House or the uh, congressional building or whatever it is, and they were, you know, there were some tanks and and that kind of thing. I remember that happening. Well, as Davros would say in Doctor Who, an interesting conjecture. Uh, my father was actually he headed up the. Uh, uh, branch of uh, you're probably familiar with this term, High Frontier, General Graham's High Frontier on uh, SDI back in the 80s. My father had worked with the Reagan administration, and he used to travel around and try to explain the concept of strategic defense and uh, missile, anti-ballistic missile systems. And he used to say, look, the Soviets already broke the ABM treaty back in the 70s. They've been researching uh, plasma weapons around Moscow for decades. They've been doing all sorts of stuff. And uh, it seemed like, that, you know, the thesis that I, I approach is uh, we know that Gorbachev wanted Reagan when they met in Reykjavik in Iceland, Gorbachev wanted Reagan to drop SDI. And I know a lot of people, one of them was the dean for my uh, communication school at Boston University, a former East German tank commander named Joachim Maitre, who was in a debate. And uh, he felt very strongly, he was privy to a lot of information, he felt very strongly that one of the reasons the uh, Soviet system started to really unravel, that a lot of the, the people who were the uh, the generals and, and a lot of the folks who were the superstructure, that they realized they just couldn't keep up if Reagan would not capitulate and stop development of SDI. Well, I think SDI was in development long before that. In fact, if the, there was a magazine that used to come out with a lot like Popular Mechanics. It was called Mechanics Illustrated. And yeah. the January 1963 issue, they have uh, you know, basically an article about uh, lasers and lasers in space. And uh, they actually have a quote from uh, Curtis LeMay, you know, the crazy general, the crazy cigar-chomping general that ran SAC. And he actually, you know, said that, you know, basically the article talks about putting lasers on our um, reconnaissance satellites. So what it looks like is that we put weapons in space under the, ru under the ruse that it was, you know, these are reconnaissance satellites, but in reality they were armed with lasers. Well, so that's, and again, that, that's open source. Anybody, you yeah. know, that can go to a research library can look up Mechanics Illustrated January 1963. And, and, read and it you, you obviously have done a lot of research on this. It's actually very interesting stuff, sort of in an abstract way. But um, the, to what I end? I mean, where's the, where's the diabolic nature of all this? That's what I well, don't think about understand. this. You know, like you guys have a uh, you know, an advertisement, you know, talking about, you know, the dollar is going to go through the floor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I, I don't come at, you know, politics from thinking that he with the gold rules. I think he with the sword rules. And I think that it's sort of like, you know, the Chinese are lending money to Tony Soprano. It's like, how do you collect on it? I think the second that any of these countries try to collect on it, it's going to be war and we'd wipe them out. Uh, and well, so it just on. doesn't matter uh, anymore. We're going we're gonna to wipe out China? I think we could totally wipe well, out China. Better, I think that they you, know, you and there wouldn't even be any warning time, too. Because you, you think about the hydrogen-powered, hydrogen-bomb-powered lasers that we have in space. Well, there's no warning me, time. You have, a, you have a stealth satellite there in space that wipes out Moscow, wipes out 
you know, Shanghai, well, you, there whatever. There are 40 Beijing. nations in this world that have nuclear weapons. Um, so we wipe out China. What do you think those nations are going to do when China just goes up in a big mushroom? All of China, a very large it. nation goes that, up in a big mushroom cloud. Well, I think they're going to fear us. I think that it'd be a, a why big... Aren't they already, why aren't they already afraid? I mean, if... You if, know, if I see some guy shoot some um, other guy in, in cold blood on my street, I'm not scared of him. I'm going to blow him away. See, this is... The, yeah. There are just a couple well, points I want to make. Well, it what he blows the guy away with, so now, doesn't it? On, on I mean, no, it doesn't. You're just as dead with a twenty two revolver as you are with a, a bazooka. Jason well, I think that it's more like, you know, what happens if you see a guy on your street get blown away by a tank? You're in your house with what? You're not scared? I mean, that's what we're really talking about. But what I'm saying is, is um, you know, you they can launch. They can put somebody out there. They I don't I don't think for a second that we have that kind of um, you know that kind of destructive yeah. power. And if we do, I think that we're just We'd rule the world. If, if we used it, um, we do rule the world. No, we don't. We rule Iraq and some other you know teeny little places, but uh, not China. We don't rule China. We don't rule uh, Russia, and we don't rule North Korea. I mean, we may or the, may not. The have Russians it. gave up though. I mean, they gave up yeah. on the Cold no, they're, War. They're, they're, their system fell apart. Right. Communism failed, it Jason. I know you don't want to believe that. It makes sense to me, um, Jason. Remember, you're talking with Jason the communist, so he's trying to come oh, up with other reasons I why. I forgot who this guy was. Yeah. Well, but don't you recall the, um, you know, the, the, their system, uh, you know. Well, that's the propaganda. I think that, you know, I'm a Hobbesian at <laughs> this is heart. a communist I think conspiracy really, theory, Mark. You know, Reagan didn't spin them into the dirt then? No. FDI was, in effect, Two decades before he was even reached the White House. Uh, so, so how can you say that he was the guy? I mean, when you look at all the I, declassified documents from the national labs, especially in we don't have time for that. Thanks for the call, Jason. We appreciate it. Man. All I can Thank say you. is, I can just wrap this up real quick. My dad was pretty closely involved on this stuff, and they did not have this stuff developed. They were trying to develop it. The Democrats did everything they could to stop it. It was one of the things that even people who were, you know, small government conservatives, they, they, you know, they thought, okay, yeah, let's have at least a defensive system. We're not going to be aggressive. This will be defensive. Mm -hmm. One of the major problems I just mentioned was they had targeting plasma laser systems. They had laser systems, but they didn't have the correct targeting technology during the 1980s. So instead, they tried to come up with this thing called G-PALS or Brilliant Pebbles, which would be something that the missiles would they would launch missiles from a platform and blow up and spread out these little tiny balls little ball bearings in an umbrella hoping that mm. an ICBM going up would hit them right. and and get destroyed they didn't have the laser technology to do it and if what he's saying is true and that the US has all these uh, awesome weapons at their disposal then these other countries would be cowering in uh, in front of us more than way <laughs> Live, you can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231, and that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there, totally free, including live streams, broadband version of the show, dial-up version, both waiting for you at freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. So, Mark, you just said something before we came back on the air, and I thought maybe you should share it. With well, I just, our just I was making a little off-air joke, and we were we were sort of joshing about uh, <clears throat> Jason the uh, communist there uh, during the break, and I said, you know, Google doesn't really come back any, with anything when you uh, look up stealth laser satellites. 
Nothing. Well, now mm-hmm. it's not that I disbelieve that the <laughs> that the government, the U.S. government, has just an awesome amount of military uh, manpower and and special weapons and really dangerous things that can go boom. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But was that the reason communism fell? No, uh, not at all. Would the, the, the communists just disbanded it, because the U.S. Been, military has too many bombs in space? Right. I mean, you know, because they couldn't and somehow compete with that level of. Uh, you know, tech, technology. Well, we know they couldn't compete. I mean, that much is true. Uh, but yeah. it, like, so, so they couldn't. So then, why would their government fail? Yeah. I mean, if it's if it's such a great government system, I mean, why to go right. kapluk afterwards? Right. The, the, the U.S. Like, suddenly, having... with faced with superior firepower, all the rest of the governments in the world continue to go on right. um, just fine. But the communist governments just one by one fall over like dominoes. Yeah, not not so uh, believable. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested in that. Right. It's like as though that the the government, this group of people that rules by force, government is force. This like the government's all of a sudden going to just throw it in, throw in their hat because of some other government out there having some big bombs in space. Like they're going to just stop wanting to rule over the the people that they rule over because of some other government out there. Well, you know, I mean, it's absurd. I, in my opinion, you know, there was clearly an arms race. We all know that, mm-hmm. um, and. One of the problems that they had was they didn't have the productive, as ironic as it is, they didn't have the productive economy to feed their state. You well, know, which is weird. Right. Uh, now they to have, think that they their the state land, was so big. They absolutely could feed their state. Right. You see, it's not like there were so many Russians. We just can't feed them all. They didn't have the economic apparatus to feed their state. Right. For the is, United States, right. now the United they States, bled just a little bit enough have, to feed have, the machine for the mil- military that Reagan was able to make it grow. Started SDI, you know, and, he, and Gorbachev was like, "What are we going to do? What are we going to do?" You know, now yeah. the other, internally they collapsed because they just couldn't keep their economic system going and people were so dissatisfied. Well, what I wonder about is that that feeding situation. How come the United States isn't sending money over to uh, isn't sending wheat over to Russia still? Because they're growing food now. (laughs) Why are they growing food now? Because they can profit from growing food. Rather than everybody pitching in and doing the the, the comrade uh, communist thing, (laughs) um, you know, and and not giving a damn about what they produce, now they're producing just fine. Oh, my goodness. You mean people in search of profit can actually make uh, things grow and sell them and actually handle? It's It's good for us. Yeah. Greedy, greedy capitalism is good for us. So how interesting, though, that, I mean, we've certainly had our share on this program. We've certainly had our share of conspiracy callers, right? But never before have we ever really heard a communist conspiracy. But I guess it just goes to show that there are conspiracy theorists out there in, in, you know, in every arm of uh, the political world. I guess so. Very interesting. Let's go to the phones, talk to Nick, listening in Kentucky. Nick, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. What up? Hey, Hey, what's on your mind, Nick? Well, uh, first off, I have a... Um, suggestion about how to get Lauren Canario out of jail. Okay, sure. Lauren, who is our friend that was arrested for not showing her papers here in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Well, there's these uh, these very aggressive monkeys called uh, the macaque. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just drop them off at the uh, jail there and uh, everything will be solved. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Um, really what I called to uh, say about, I called the other day, um, I was the uh, lazy bureaucrat in uh, doing the border patrol thing. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> they didn't really like you. Uh, and some, of our, some of our pro-military uh, uh, callers really didn't like you. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, I, I imagine that um, it's it, the guy that called in uh, heard one of the guys saying, you know, oh, well, that wouldn't be my company that would be, you know, lazy and playing video games. And, right. And I just don't even argue that because if you know anyone who's in government or any bureaucrat, 
you know that this is just not true. Right, and you know the, it, it, but people do think, especially Republican conservative types, really do believe that if you give your bureaucrat a gun, suddenly they become, um, th- they're someone to re- be respected, they're efficient. Haven't you ever read a Tom Clancy novel? I mean, these guys, these guys are espionage machines. If, if, these army guys, if, if they aren't out, uh, you know, practicing a thousand rounds a day, they're running between, uh, you know, the base and uh, the, the local, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, they make it seem Their like these military is, guys, yeah, right, yeah. That this is what they do. But no, you know, that's not the way it is in the military. No. What they do like any other bureaucrat, and they run from work as much as they can, and they hide. Now, Nick, would you say that that guy that called in to claim, well, his battalion would be this way? or whatever, uh, would you, do you think that he was actually military, or was he just like one of these armchair quarterbacks? Like, well, if I were I, military, I, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah, definitely an armchair quarterback, because uh, like I said, it's not even worth arguing. If you if you knew anyone, it's just not the case. So. Right. Well, the way he phrased it is he said, if he was in my battalion or yeah. platoon or, or whatever yeah. it was, the terminology. Well, you're right, but you know, some, some, guys, uh, some guys are just blind. You know, they, mm-hmm. they want to think what they want to think. I mean, especially in their high authority. I mean, there are people in my chain of command that uh, are directly uh, uh, accountable to what I do, uh, what goes on in my daily lives, and guess what? They don't know my name. They don't know <laughs> yeah, who I am. Right. So right, they've, it got, matter. they've got their pencils and papers to push around on their <laughs> desk. I mean, they can't yeah. pay attention with bother to be bothered to be paying attention to the grunts. I think I think one of the best examples exactly. of that is: Did you ever watch Black Adder in the last season of it, where they were all in World War One? I don't know if you've ever seen the show it's Blackout or Rowan I have. It was genius, a great show. Genius, yeah. And they're all trying, every episode, he's trying to figure out a way to get out of being in the Army, in the British Army. And every time, you know, Baldrick comes up, I've got a cunning plan. <laughs> oh, Baldrick, you're cunning plans. You know, he goes through this whole thing. And uh, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but the last episode, in all the previous episodes of that series, everybody dies except Blackadder and Baldrick, essentially. And in this one, they all have to they all go over the top and you think, Oh, it's gonna be another episode where he's gonna get out of it, he's gonna get out of it, something's they gonna happen. There. Yeah, and they go over the top and they're all killed. And it's like that was, oh. a, that was a downer. Yeah. Well, I've got I've got a perfect way to get out of the military. What's that? Well, that is if you're in the National Guard. I don't okay. know about active duty, but uh just don't uh take care of your teeth. Get get some cavities and don't take uh-huh. care of it. Really? The reason is, is because, yeah, well, the reason is I'm doing that right now. I'm taking uh, going through this problem. I'm actually uh, being deployed to Iraq in December. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. And yeah, I know. And what happened was is uh, I through the National Guard they offer they offer uh, some dental insurance. They don't um, offer a lot. Um, but anyway, I just don't like the dentist. I didn't want to take care of it. I've had a uh, some few cavities for about a year now, mm-hmm. and. It came up time for me to deploy, and I, you know, do all these physical tests, and they, of course, shoot, shoot me up with all kinds of crap that I don't know what they're doing, giving it to me. Oh boy. Um, yeah, and then what happened is, is they, they said, oh well, you've got these three cavities uh, that are pretty bad. You cannot deploy, and and uh, you need to get them fixed. And if you do not get them fixed within a year, uh, we will put you up review for discharge. Wow, Kevin, like, well. get you out of the military. That's that's actually pretty cool. Hey, Nick, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. No problem. And uh, coming up, since he brought up getting out of the military, there's another way that you might be able to get out of the military, at least according to Reuters, a U.S. soldier. It's uh, it's, uh, it's in regards to religious beliefs, interestingly enough. We'll, uh, we'll touch on that. We'll give you that story and take your calls about whatever you want. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. 
For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231, SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. Vanguard and Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where the features are for free. We've got updates. You get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. Updates.freetalklive.com. Send out an update over the weekend. In fact... Announcing that we have a brand new Shriner up on the Shriner female listeners. So you can go and take a look at Desiree. Uh, she's up there, and you can go to freetalklive.com to see that. You but know you know what's neat is that Desiree's comments is just great. about She's discovering all these great things, reading a Harry Brown book, discovering your show, and everything's mm-hmm. changing for her. Good for her. We there get comments like that uh, fairly, you know, relatively often on the show, and it's always nice. you know, yeah. Because even if you're not making a lot of money doing this, and I know... You're not making a lot of money at your your job, Gardner, right. and I'm really not making a lot doing this, believe it or not. Mark, he's doing okay. Uh, but even if you're not making a whole lot of money doing this kind of radio, it's really cool when somebody sends you an email saying, you know, I used to be a socialist, and then I found your show. Uh, you, you guys have helped me see what government is really all about, that government is force, and it's really changed my worldview, and it's just amazing getting uh, getting emails like that yeah, from people. It's great. It's very, very cool. It's good to make a difference. 800-259-9231. Uh, still to come, we'll do that story about the Christian who's managed to get himself out of the military, but first, we go to the phones, because this is the show about your calls. Let's talk to William in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. William. Hello? Hey, what's on your mind? Yeah, hi. I wanted to ask you about the uh, antibiotic-resistant staff that's been going around. Mm-hmm. They I recently don't... said that it's killed more people than AIDS. Hmm. I, I've not heard anything about this. Yeah, you should check it out. It's a really a big deal. It's a big deal, and like it's killed more people than AIDS. I think. Yeah. They, I I've think heard about AIDS. How come, I how come I haven't heard about the staff, the uh, antibiotic-resistant Staphylococcus? I don't know. For some reason, it just hasn't really been a big story until now. For one reason, the main the main place that people catch it is hospitals and nursing homes. Yeah, I, I, well, you they, do catch you can catch certainly catch staff at uh, hospitals and nursing homes. I, I don't know if be they, careful of those places. They're I don't disgusting. know, but I I thought the report I heard. I don't want to hold you too much in, in in contention, but I thought the report I heard was that they believe that it could be a bigger threat than AIDS, mm-hmm. but, but not necessarily but not that, that it concrete that was. it had already killed more people than AIDS. I so think that would be unlikely. So now this is being reported in the major media, or it's being brushed under the rug. What are you saying here? Well, I'd say it's, it's it's being reported in the major media, but it hasn't really been a big story until recently, until they've had like the record number of people killed or whatever. We'll keep well, our eyes on it. And thank you for the call. Uh-huh. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You know what can you do? Yeah, I'm no scientist. I'm not going to be able to cook up a concoction uh, in my basement to to cure this problem. Uh, I'll just have to stay out of hospitals. Uh, you know, right? we can make it a, the free argument again, uh, the free market argument again. Uh, there's a great report. Uh, I can't remember where I found it, but I found it on my show earlier today. Uh, you can Google it uh, if you just put in uh, UK UK flea uh, flea UK health system India. If you Google it, you'll find the uh, article that describes how um, 70,000 Britons are expected 
to uh, have already left England this year to get health care outside of England because they're paying out of their because own pockets. Because it's socialized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they specifically mentioned the staff infection uh, rate out there is really high in their government-run health care system, of course. you know. No, they, that would make sense. Yeah. It's more likely that you'll get this over in a socialist country than, than here in America, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but, you know... The only way this is really going to be a problem is if the government deems to take control of it. Like, if the government says, well, don't worry, Americans, we've got this, uh, the cure, and we're going to put in new regulations to put a stop to this staph infection. If the government decides to make it illegal for the marketplace to handle this situation, then it could become a real issue. But until then, I mean, all we can do is just you know, hope that those market scientists find, other, find the solution and sanitize things correctly or yeah. whatever the... Solution is well. They probably we will do? find the solution. Yeah, I they mean, probably you will. Know, they found. They managed to find the solution to every other disease right. out there. Yeah, I'm not worried. No. Are you? No, I'm not. Okay. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go to Gene in Tennessee on the amplifier line. Hello, Gene. Yeah, this is the Christian Anarchist. Hey, hey. I was out Saturday uh, doing some fly, uh, banner waving for Ron Paul. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And uh, banner waving, you know, on a street corner. I said excellent. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay, and uh, passing out Slim Jims and stuff, and I was wearing a V outfit. Oh, you were and, passing uh, out Slim Jims? The, the Slim Jims are the little uh, cards that he has, the long ones yeah, with the white one where where he has Reagan on it. They're like oh. a flyer. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were handing and out the, either beef jerky or a tool to break into people's cars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, I was surprised at how many people still haven't heard of Ron Paul when I would ask them, you know, have you heard of Ron Paul? Oh, he's running for president on a Republican. Even Republicans hadn't heard of him. Did you ask, did you ask those people um, uh, what the president, uh, what the vice president of the United States was? No. I want to know. I, I, I think I think we should do this promo because I'm just dying to know, Ian. How many people out there, percentage wise, know who the vice president of the United States are? Is well, I don't know. in this in this instance, you might wind up with more than you thought because Cheney has made so much fun of that people probably, you know, they, there might be a larger percentage of people that know than like ten years ago. Yeah, it might be. be. Yeah. Hey, listen, you remember Quayle was around, spelling potato wrong and uh, showing yeah, off really. the genitalia yeah. of uh, small wooden uh, Mexican items. But at any rate, I wanted to tell you about my newest promotion for Ron Paul, my newest gimmick. You know my Ron Paul truck, which I've uh, shown, you know, I had posted pictures of it with the signs on the sign side, magnetic signs for mm-hmm. Ron Paul. And so what I've done is I've taken one of those dual-screen DVD players, and I stuck one in each back window of my truck on the, from the inside, of course, and wired a couple of speakers in the back of the truck. And I play the... Uh, the Google or the YouTube video, uh, Ron Paul, A New Hope. I burned that onto a DVD. Okay. And I just play it in a continuous loop over and over and over. Now, the problem is you can't really see it through the window very good during the daytime, but since the days are getting so much shorter, uh, anytime in the evening I'm parked in, uh, you know, Home Depot or Walmart or, you know, wherever I go. So you operate this whenever you're parked, not necessarily when you're driving. Right. Right. Whenever I'm parked, my truck will be sitting there with the with a screen on either side, with the speakers running in the back of the truck, huh. and that video going over continuously in a loop. It's pretty so cool, Joe. Help to promote who Ron Paul is, because people simply don't know who he is, and they need to, you know, as if they learn who he is. I don't think he's got a problem of. Uh, of being extremely uh, popular. I, I got to tie something in with you, Gene. Um, you know, some of these other national programs, uh, I won't mention any names, but uh, uh, one of the guys, one of the two big guys out there, uh, recently, uh, he's on Fox News as well, so you can guess who I'm, who I'm discussing. I don't know. Uh, who the hell is it? Uh, at this point? Hannity. Okay. Hannity. He's got, he's got this uh, pollster on, 
And uh, the pollster, they're Frank going Luntz. through. Yeah, Frank Luntz. You got it, man. He's the guy who does the little dial things. Everybody, you know, turns the dial as they, you know, get stimulated or not stimulated by mm-hmm. whatever the people are doing up there. So, I mean, it's very Pavlovian, you know. So, anyway, um, so he's on there, and he's talking with them, and they're going through the last Republican debate. And so Hannity says, Oh, what'd you think of Fred Thompson? What'd you think of Rudy Giuliani? What'd you think uh uh you know, he's going to oh and anybody I'm forgetting, oh yeah, McCain. What about McCain? Blah blah blah. So finally he says they they finish up, they haven't mentioned Ron Paul once, even though, of course, on Fox News he once again won their, you know, Fox Instapol thing where people call in. Right, thirty four percent. Yeah. And so so then Lund says, Oh, and uh yeah, he says, All right, thanks a lot, Frank. And Frank says, Oh wait, uh, one more thing. You know, if uh if these people uh, really think that uh, Ron Paul is, you know, he's actually getting anywhere, you know, they see those poll results on your uh, T V show there, Sean. Uh they shouldn't take that say they, they shouldn't believe those things, you know, and Sean says ah yeah you know we don't that's all for fun we don't really do those polls seriously of course the only reason he's saying that is because ron paul comes out on top every (laughs) time if it had been giuliani or anybody else he'd be like wow you know this is really showing some great support it's they they discount this guy they don't want people to consider him seriously it's just incredible backfiring though it's backfiring yes it is every time they discount him people say well why are they discounting this guy i thought he was okay you know so it it right. really is backfiring on them. It's, by, it's helping they shouldn't people. Even mention his name by mentioning their name. They made the, by mentioning his name. They made their mistake. Right. I right. mean, the thing is, is uh, don't you think that Fred Thompson or Giuliani or Mitt Romney or uh, Brownback or mm-hmm. um, you know it, the the bevy of guys that are below Ron Paul too? Don't you think all of them would have liked to have won one of these polls, one of oh, these yeah. uh, debate polls? How come they couldn't rally all their people together to win? Because they How got com- nothing. I mean, right. John Hannity accused Ron Paul of rallying his. People. Because That's they don't have because they don't have activists like Gene that are going the extra yep. mile that are innovating Doing it on their own. Yep, and that are coming up with original ideas to help promote their candidate. Gene, thanks for the call. Neat stuff. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up anything. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. Once again, that's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. SACL CAI, our uh, biggest sponsor, is looking to do a little hiring, and uh, they would prefer to hire listeners to Free Talk Live. Awesome. So I, uh, I would recommend uh, working for them if you happen to be in the uh, Columbus or in the Defiance, Ohio areas. I, I, or you're willing to move. Yeah. Couldn't find nicer people. Yep, Jason and Mar- Mike are very nice people, and... It would seem to me that they would be nice folks to work for. So that's my recommendation. You can find out more about SACL CAI, the uh, collections experts at uh, our website. Check out their banner. It's the top one on the right-hand side. Way cool. That's SACL CAI. Our number is 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Indy in Connecticut. Indy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Indy. Hey, guys. Hey. Um, I like uh, Gard. He's my favorite uh, co-host. And this uh, question might be kind of directed to him. Okay. I think as um, freedom people, we're all uh, attracted to contracts between parties and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no secret I was in the military for six years, 
I signed a contract and got a really high security clearance above and beyond uh, top secret. When I was uh, getting out, doing my discharge, they made me go through a de-indoctrination, if you will, and they told me that if I ever denounced my citizenship, the CIA would be sent to hunt me down and kill me. And I saw wow. this on paper. Oh, my and I goodness. Think it sounds unbelievable. I'm sure another caller of yours will validate what I'm telling you, but... Uh, uh, how do you feel about that? I, I, so are you, are you saying, in other words, uh, I want to sort of make sure I got the picture right here, man. Um, are you saying that they're, they're implying to you that part of your contract for going into into the military is that if you renounce your citizenship later, they have the right to go hunt you down, sort of? I, I don't, I'm Only sort of on my way out did I find this out. When well, I went in, I signed the same contract as everybody else. And again, this sounds unbelievable. But there are other people out there who will probably validate this for you. Mm -hmm. I speak a foreign language. I can't give too many details about myself because I don't even want to be identified by this phone call. Right, but, sure, uh, right. Um, when I went in, I went into a special program. I was in the intelligence business. And when I got out, the, um, the debriefing included this signing of another contract. And in the mm -hmm. military, you sign... Once you're in, you sign what's put in front of you. Right. So in other words, you've got, <laughs> you've got a clearance and you've got information that they're implying that if you were to do something that they don't like, they're coming after you. And you seem to are you are you sort of wondering that if it was in the did you did you see this when you signed any contracts? Because I can't imagine that. Gardner, not up front. It's yeah. I signed the same contract as everybody going in. Right. But once you get in, if you get into a special program, it deals with human intelligence. That's uh -huh. it's not really in question has to do with spies on the ground, and my job involved that. What is... I'm, pri I'm privy to information of human intelligence on the ground. Okay, here's where I'm curious. Why would they say that if you renounced your citizenship, that is what would trigger the assassination attempt by the CIA? Is it because the there's something really important to government about having the, the concept of a citizen out there? Which, of course, if you go and look it up, the definition of a citizen is one who owes a duty of allegiance in, to a government in return for an obligation to protect. Now, we know that Supreme Court has said over and over again that the government has no obligation to protect. So, therefore, there technically isn't really any sort of real citizenship agreement out there. But the government would still, obviously, still has its interests and uh, so are they sort of saying that if you renounce your citizenship, therefore they have no need, uh, they, they have no more obligation to protect you, or there's not even, even a semblance of an obligation to protect you at that point, and so therefore they wouldn't be out of line by assassinating you or taking, you know, targeting you for, uh, for, eliminate, uh, for elimination? Ian, please understand, while I speak, I'm shaking for fear that someone's listening who, you know, might be interested in this conversation. It's, it's like that, man. Mm -hmm. Um, wow. I know things about our government that they never, ever, ever want disclosed, and I agreed not to disclose those things, and I will never disclose those things because I agreed not to. Um, I have foreign language experience. My intention was to go to work for a foreign military once I got out and you know, make buku bucks because of my experience. They told me, no way, no how, this is not going to happen, Indy or whatever my real name might be. Yeah. Right. And I'm hoping right. you're not in Connecticut. You know, I'm thinking, of, I'm, I look at it this way. Um, there, there are two ways to approach this, my friend. Uh, one is, if you believed in the sanctity of contract, then the sanctity of contract that is paramount is your oath to defend the United States Constitution. And no subordinate contract from the United States government that breaches any of your rights can be seen as 
being taking precedent over the United States Constitution, which tells them how to operate. Now that's an an, an that's idealistic not do any good answer. If you're dead. No, right. That's the problem. Functionally, um, you know, frankly, I don't think it would matter whether you had signed a contract or not. Um, right, a threat's you, a threat. Right. If you come out, Ed, this is really tricky, man. Boy, um, let's be reasonable. I signed the original contract in my teens. I got out in my twenties. Yeah. Um, now in almost 40, I am looking back on this, and I'm not the only person in this situation. Some of my best friends are in the same situation today, mm-hmm. ex-military buddies. And mm-hmm. we talk about this and joke about this. God forbid we ever uh, uh, renounce our citizenship. Uh, we're going to be hunted down. And it's... Uh, well, I it's, guess you just can't renounce your citizenship yeah. then. <laughs> Keep your mouth that. shut. <laughs> you know, but kind of limits my options in employment, though, guys, and the rest of my life, which might be another 50 years, kind of not so good. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, th- this has so many implications because, I mean, in the abstract, uh, what you're discussing is whether or not uh, you really see the, the the umbrella under which you're supposed to be operating is the U.S. Constitution. So they're not supposed to legally have contracts where they can go and do that to you. You know, you, you th- that's not a legally binding contract under U.S. law. It's hmm. just not. But, but, but Gard, will you will you concur that there are spies out there? Which I was not. I was not a spy, but right. I'm privy to certain information. Would you concur that there are spies out there who might fall under the same blanket that I'm describing to you, to you tonight? Oh, you hit that right, my friend. I agree with you 100%. And and as I said, practically, functionally, I think we all here agree that uh, regardless of even if you had not signed a contract, but they would use that. And I wonder if any court system would find find a problem with them going after you. I, I- Technical question: How does this? You said it prevents you from getting jobs. How does that? How does that happen exactly? How are you being prevented? Well, um, I've called in before, and for any of the spooks listening, spook is a term for you know the spies who I'm sure listen to your show. Oh, I, 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 I I read Tom Clancy. I have no intention of doing anything that would uh, violate this contract, but um, if I wanted, to, my experience when I got out of the military was in the military intelligence business. I kind of thought I wanted to transcend that because of my foreign language experience to another country. I mm-hmm. thought that was a logical step to make uh, some money. They told me, no way, no how, you cannot do this. Therefore, I did not do that. I, I went into a totally different business, guys. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. so, but, but how would that result? In, so that was a separate provision, then. It didn't have to do with renouncing your citizenship. They were just saying there are certain types of jobs you can't have. More specifically, there are certain people I cannot work for. Right. Yeah. Got it. Well, that's the way the cookie crumbles, oh, crumbles my friend. Any you, country with the word know? red in the beginning of the title. You got involved uh, with the government, and they're a nasty group of criminals. Uh, they're, they're not very that much different from the mafia, just writ large, uh, and far hey. more inefficient. And uh, it's unfortunate, but what can you do? Now, you... Correction for Mark, it does not only include the red countries, it's everybody. My, my countries of choice and my language of choice... It was not uh, red countries. You couldn't even go work for uh, Great Britain? I can't use an example, guys. I, yeah, I apologize yeah. for that. Okay. I can't work for anybody. And let me ask you before you have to fly, man. Um, you know, in, in posing this question to us, obviously it's 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 not essentially a practical uh, question for you because you're not expecting to encounter this situation. But it is something that's been on your mind. I don't know whether... Um, you know, all three of us have been able to satisfactorily explore it because it's it's uh, it's got a lot of facets to it, and it is very tricky. But uh, you know, do you feel like uh, uh, does this make you feel uncomfortable thinking about this? 
I've actually been successful otherwise in other types of business, so it doesn't bother me. But yeah. like I said, in conversations with ex-military buddies, we talk about this and how can this be. And I've turned a lot of my buddies on to your show and to uh, oh, cool. the libertarian understanding. Yeah. And is this a con? My, my question originally was to guard you. Uh, is this a reasonable contract between parties? Well, I think in the United States, it's not a reasonable contract in any way whatsoever because there is a lot of it that would that would uh, infringe with the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And no, they were I, using. I don't think their, it would be legally binding. In they many were using cases. force. I mean, it's a, it was coerced to some extent. I mean, like you said, you sign whatever papers they put in front of you. What would have happened had you not signed it? I signed the big contract that everybody signs, but once you're in and you go into special programs, it changes a little bit, and that's understood. Mm. Yep. Again, you know, what can you do, right? They're the government. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate the story. 800-259-9231. Little peek inside the world of intelligence, uh, so-called counterintelligence. Hour 3 is coming up. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. We're launching into hour number three, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Still to come, if we get a chance, we'll tell you about the military a Christian in the military who figured out a way to get out with an honorable discharge at that. I will explain and take your calls. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Justin in British Columbia. Justin, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey, How's hey. it going? Great. Right. What's on your mind? Uh, well, first off, I want to say that Gene, uh, great idea with the parking with the television on. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you guys were talking earlier about how people have changed and how they email and and uh, I used to believe in a one-world government because I believed that uh, we should get off this planet and pool our, all our resources and get to space and move so, somewhere else. So hmm. I thought that was uh, quite a progression. And you, th- and you thought uh, a one-world government could do all that stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that that way we could pool all the taxes together and build a humongous ship. And, uh, kind of sounds like Star Trek, on. sure. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. The funny thing uh, is, so though, I, I know you wanted to go on, but the funny thing is about about space and the and the the world that's opening up now in in private space travel is you don't need to pool all your resources together in order to uh, you know to construct yeah. these uh, wonderful things in space. The we've got private companies that are now competing and they're putting experimental craft up there. They're trying to land on the moon now to win a two million just a two million dollar prize. That's chump awesome. change. Uh, and and uh, let's see, there's another company that's going up there that's that's already planning on building a hotel. In space. So, I mean, private wow. industry is already doing the things that you had once envisioned this world government doing, which, of course, they would never actually get around to. And if they yeah. tried to, it would end up being like the space station, which keeps on breaking and can house maybe two people. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, that you've moved in the right direction and that you've, you've discovered that markets are the solution uh, uh, and that it'll be the free market that gets us there if we ever do get there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing I have a little thing to say about Ian, uh, I really dislike when you call Mark a socialist, when he doesn't see eye to eye with you. He's more like he a fascist. Want to. 
He's more like a fascist. I don't know if he's See, a socialist. You know, to Ian, they all are, though. You know, that's that's the pious position one can take when one doesn't believe in um, you know any government at all. I'm going to take a simple solution. I don't care if it works. I don't care if it's reasonable. I get to take the the high and mighty position. And that's, my position is the moral one. I don't yeah. advocate the initiation of force, and you do. So. Just because he doesn't want to completely abolish it doesn't mean he's a socialist. No, no, no. I've called him a fascist. Let's get the terms right. Oh, he'll come in. And my question, my final question is a couple weeks ago, you guys talked about your goals and how you have 20 to 25 goals a week. Yeah. Can you give some examples? That seems like a lot. Like maybe. I don't really. Yeah, understand. I can tell you, I got a fifty-five percent on my goal sheet last week. I didn't do. I didn't do so well, but it's okay. You set your goals high, and then you make you make it to some of them. And you, I'll give you some examples here. Let's see. I've got to clean my office. That one has been on my goal sheet for weeks, and I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, what else do I need to do? Uh, let's see. I've got to announce a new radio station this week. I'm definitely going to do that. Awesome. Uh, also here, I've got about I've got about four, 24 goals on this week's uh, goal sheet. I need to shave. It's uh, it's about time for a shave uh, all over. You see how, how ludicrous these are. I mean, you know, I've yeah, got... Yeah, yeah, I was... I was starting to wonder, because I'm like, how many things do you get accomplished in a week that aren't tedious little things like go to the bathroom? Well, you know, it's it's a little more than go to the bathroom. It's it's things you want to get done. I've got workouts on here. I've got, uh, you know, uh, things that I want to accomplish uh, during the day as far as work, that kind of thing. But that's how you, you know, the the uh, the, the trip of a thousand, you know, a thousand miles begins with the first step. It, it's steps. You can't obviously... Uh, you know, conquer the world in one week. Um, those kind of lofty goals are, are accomplished by a series of shorter goals that you actually manage to do. Right. Believe it or not, one of my most important goals. I have uh, some goals that are weighted heavier than others, and uh, yeah. one of my most important ones is waking up on time. Um, you know, yeah. I, I have to get up by 9 a.m. every day, and I didn't make it today. So you know, That's I didn't a tough make one. It is a tough one, but it's one of the most rewarding ones in that if I do get up on time, that gives me an extra three or four hours a day or whatever to get the other things done that I I need to get done. So it's really a critical one for me. Yeah, I feel if you wake up at the crack of dawn, you have more energy. It, it just, yeah, it just makes the day seem longer and more productive for me. Even if even if I get up at 9 a.m. and sit around and do nothing all day, I'll still feel as though I've accomplished more because I got up on time, and I know that for me that's something that's very difficult, and so I feel good about that. Normally, I do get more done when I mm. uh, when I get up on time, unless I'm sitting around watching Red Dwarf all day or something. Done, like done. Yeah, Red <laughs> Dwarf. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, does that give you an example of what the, you know some of these goal sheets are like? I mean, some of them are really hard, uh, hard and firm vis- business goals. You know, like yeah. I've got some things to do with the website and, and that sort of thing. And I've got to contact certain people. And, you know, there's those sorts of things. And then there's the daily lifestyle. You know, there are certain lifestyle goals that are really important to me that I want to write down to make sure that I get them done. If not this week, next week, or sooner rather than later. And that's the whole point of having the goals written down and in front of you so you can see them on a daily basis. So you're constantly reminding yourself of what you've done and what you haven't done that you need to get done. That's all it really is all about. Does it make sense? Yeah, kind of like affirmations. Like I, I have like a yearly goal that I do. Like I, I want to get enough money to go to college and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I was just baffled by the idea that having twenty goals a week. Uh, but now I see they're they're kind of simpler things, not like you know. 
yeah, it's crazy, like lofty stuff. Absolutely, it's like what yeah. you were saying before, Mark. You set that that lofty goal that you're looking for: more money or a nice house or whatever it is you want. Right, and they're all and the then, same for people. Right, and then you work backwards. Right, then you figure out what smaller steps it's going to take to get to that goal, and those are the ones that you you want to work on a weekly basis, basically. So there you go. All right. Well, thanks for clearing that up. Thank you for the call, Justin. We appreciate yeah. hearing from you. You Eight. know, well, my you. goal is actually I'm going to come up with 20 goals, but my 20th goal is, is going to be to have 19 goals next time. <laughs> I don't know how that works. I got to figure out the math on that, but it'll it'll work out. I have yeah. to say, uh, it's really a rewarding process. It's something that I got into when I was uh, back doing network marketing of all things. And it was network one of those marketing, valuable things. You, you know, you you make fun of it and everything, but network marketing is a fantastic way to learn, um, you know, sales skills and that kind of stuff. It's an expensive way to learn them, but yeah. Well, in your case, you <laughs> bought, you had to buy all these products. There's some, there's some that are that way, and there's some aren't that aren't. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's valuable. Uh, I highly recommend it. If you don't set goals, then you're like most people. If you do set goals, then you are very very um, unusual because most people don't, and they make a difference. Yeah. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's continue with the calls. Go to Dave in New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Well, my goal today was to stand at the corner of uh, Elm and Granite in uh, Manchester and say say this. <laughs> <laughs> and how'd that go for you? That you were going to be dressed up in a, a Chewbacca outfit, holding a big Ron Paul sign, right? Oh, I was dressed up in a Chewbacca outfit, awesome. and I I could have been at. I mean, I could be in the next Star Wars movie. The, the outfit is that good. It's it that cost good, four hundred dollars. Huh? Wow. Now wait, did somebody get pictures of this? Is this online now? Can people see this, Dave? Awesome, Dave. No, I was unable to get any pictures of oh, myself no. because I had too much stuff to carry. I mean, I had my uh, outfit, which slowed me down. I had a New Hampshire flag, and I had my Ron Paul Rebel Alliance. I am sign. shocked, oh, shocked that no other activist showed up for this and took a picture of you. That seemed to me to be a Kodak moment. I didn't think it was. It should have been your responsibility. I, th- I thought for sure somebody would have shown up with a digital camera. I only gave three hours notice that I was doing it. Mm. You'll be doing and it again, I'll be doing though? it many, many more times. Oh, good. But I had my picture taken ten times by just average people driving by or wanting to stand and pose with me. Or Neat. I mean, I've never seen this kind of reaction. Wow. <laughs> well, it's, it's a good Chewy outfit. I'm yeah. sure they do want to stand next to you. That is way cool. And I love the Ron Paul Rebel Alliance. How cool is that? That's a great phrase. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're all, they were all calling me by name. You know, I mean, he was constantly hearing my name called. Of course, it wasn't my name. <laughs> right. Chewbacca. Chewy, Chewbacca. Yeah. Chewbacca, look at me, look this way. <laughs> of course, it's not, even, it's not even a very busy intersection. Hmm. What a great way to, uh, to get some attention for, from, for Ron Paul, perhaps from people that never would have normally taken notice of a political person on the side of the road. I mean, there, there's a certain mentality in this country. Of just total apathy towards politics, and I don't, I, and I totally understand it myself. I understand it. Where you drive down the road and you see a protester on the side of the road, and oh, there's another protester. You don't even read the signs, or it doesn't mean anything to you. But uh, by by having that familiar countenance there, you might have drawn some extra attention and some attention that would not normally have been drawn to your signage and That's the message great. you were giving. Great job, Dave, and thanks for the call. We appreciate the story. 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. 
Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features for free. The bulletin board system is there. We've got over a quarter of a million posts. There's a lot to talk about. Serious issues, fun stuff. You will find it all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. bbs.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Dennis in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live, Dennis. Hello, Dennis in Connecticut. Yeah, you got me on there? Yes, sir. What's on your mind? Yeah, um, well, I'm a Ron Paul supporter, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by uh, his strong showing on the uh, Fox News debate last week with the uh, text messaging poll afterwards. He has uh, shown strong on all of the Fox News uh, poll, text message polls after afterwards. So this wasn't really, if you'd seen the other ones, you probably would have been surprised. But yes, it was very nice. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, I've been a longtime Republican, and I'm wondering if uh, the handwriting is on the wall, though, with um, the, uh, so many Republicans just like Sean Hannity, they're just avidly supporting this Iraq war, mm-hmm. almost to the point of where they would rather win uh, you know, go down trying to win the war than win the election. And um, so I'm wondering, you know, I, I think when uh, Ron Paul was talking to Sean Hannity afterwards, uh, Sean Hannity kind of posed the question, would he support who, what, who, any of the nominees, whoever it were, and, and Ron Paul said no, he wouldn't, right. that, he, that he, was, he would stay on message. And it, it made me wonder, you know, could this lead to him going third party? He keeps saying he won't. Uh, he keeps saying that, and I don't know. It's hard to say. I think it'd be silly for him to drop out and just completely expend all of the effort that uh, that the volunteers and that his uh, his campaign staff has put in. I think that uh, it would be wise for him to to seek a third party nomination. I understand that he's, he's third party's a, tough. Well, he's done it before, and the, certainly he's got a. Uh, it's tough because there are a lot of requirements. Like it's more difficult to get on the ballots around the right. states. But he's got such a core group of supporters. If those people were sort of rolled into a third party campaign, especially if it was with the Libertarian Party that's already working on getting on the ballots in those states, then it wouldn't be a big deal whatsoever you know, that's to, an to do that. That's an interesting question. A number of factors to consider there. First, um, if he wasn't able to garner enough support uh, within the Republican Party, do we think that that would be uh, translatable somehow into a new campaign as uh, some sort of independent candidate? Uh, whether or not that is successful, if if he thinks that it is a doomed uh, doomed attempt, is there an ulterior motive to try to get uh, and continue to get the message out there while he uh, comes in with this insurgency campaign uh, a la Ross Perot? Uh, I think people can admit that Ross Perot's outside influence in, in the uh, campaign in 92 did help get uh, Bill Clinton elected, and it also introduced a number of issues that stayed with people, the sort of populism about uh, NAFTA, uh, you know, certain worries that stayed in the news longer because he was there. So it's possible that going into a third party uh, might keep those issues out there and and prolong it and allow for the issues to continue after Ron Paul, uh, perhaps if he weren't weren't able to make it, uh, goes back to Congress. Who knows? I'd hate for that to happen, but if that is the case, let me ask you this. What do you think would happen if he uh, were to decorously say, look, I've seen other third-party candidacies in the past. While I'm not going to support any of these Republicans, I'm not going to support any Democrats either because I stick with the U.S. Constitution. I will remain in the Republican Party. Uh, I thank my supporters, and we will continue to work with other candidates in the future. What do you think about that? Well, um, I I think we're 
a point of constitutional crisis. Mm-hmm. And I think um, we're getting to a point of where, where we, I think a third party almost has a better shot now than ever, ever before, especially like if the two candidates, the Democrat and Republican, are both had voted for the war, like Hillary voted for the war, and then let's say whatever Republican got the nomination was it, if it was uh, Giuliani or whomever, um, there wouldn't be that much difference between Clinton and Giuliani. Well, there wasn't that much difference between, uh, you know, there wasn't that much difference between Bush and Kerry in 2004, uh, and Michael Badnarik, the libertarian candidate, certainly didn't get that much attention from the mainstream media. So really, uh, I, while I agree with your statement that now is certainly a better time than it ever has been for a third party, I don't think that's still saying very much. I think the well, Internet's certainly a bigger, right. a bigger factor now, and I think that's why that statement is true. But without actually having a candidate that the media cares about to uh, to give attention to, third parties are going to be just flipping right. in the wind. Ron Paul has a better chance of winning the Republican nomination than he does of winning the presidency as a third party candidate. That may be true, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't go at it, and he shouldn't do it. I understand that he's he's not going to tip his hand either way. He's not going to say for sure um, until afterwards. But remember, Ron Paul only ran because he was encouraged to run by the people surrounding him, by mm-hmm. the, the Ron Paulites, if you will, the people that are really excited about him and his message. Right. They convinced him to run for president. And I think that while I think that if he isn't, if he does not get the nomination, there are going to be a certain there's going to be a certain dropout as far as the activists are concerned, but those are just the real lightweight activists, the ones that are well, I'm going to have to vote for the Republican now that he hasn't gotten the nomination. But the real Ron Paul fa- fanatics, the real supporters out there, they're going to be right behind him, saying, Ron, you know, we really still want you to run. We think the Libertarian Party will work for you, or or whatever. I I can't imagine he would go anywhere else but the Libertarian Party. Mm. But uh, w- wherever he ends up, I think that it's going to be because of his supporters convincing him to do it, not because it's anything that he particularly wants. Of course, you know, the rap is, if he did that, would be that if Hillary got elected, they would blame it on Ron Paul, just like they blame Ralph Nader for, for Look, Bush getting elected. Know, uh, somebody on my Ron Paul, uh, you know, the, the little discussion group said something very similar that, uh, you know, oh my God, the Democrat could win. And, you know, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Look, do you think, my, my question, my answer to that, well, um, smaller that government, the, Hillary thing, uh, the Hillary thing, is do you think America w- would have been uh, markedly, any, markedly wor- uh, worse off if Kerry would have been elected instead of George Bush? I don't think it'd be worse off. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I think that maybe in some ways we'd be worse off. Maybe in some ways we'd be better off. Yeah. Right. But um, you know, we would still be, uh, you know, traipsing happily down the road to much larger government with either one of them. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's the you know, that's the devil you do versus the devil you don't. Either way, only time will tell. Dennis, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to uh, Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hi, good evening. Hi, hi. Uh, we wanted to warn people, uh, we have had to call the FDA and uh, a company that has just sent out a product. It's a sugar-free Smucker's Preserves. They're loaded with um, insecticide. Dear God, and, they put insecticide in Hold on a second, in, in jelly? Yeah, and uh, it's not jelly, it's preserves. But anyway, uh, Dr. Martini has... the hell's the difference? Hold on a second, wait a minute, I need to know. Preserves is fruit. Preser- but they put fruit in jelly. A little bit of like fruit juice. Je- jellies, no, jellies. So if it's jelly with actual chunks of fruit, then, then it preserves. is preserves? preserves. Yeah. Yeah. I see. But anyway, this was sent out, and uh, we had to call AARP because they had advertised their magazine. They weren't aware of this. Anyway, Dr. Martini has sent papers to the FDA. They have 10 days to answer. They were sent on the 23rd. Or else what? 
Uh, What's it going to uh, do? Bring itself up trouble. on charges? There's serious trouble. You get on the website. Where do you get this stuff from, Paula? Seriously. Dr. Martini. What does she send you, faxes? Yeah, I, I'm working with her. I, I've got some of the companies who already stopped using this stuff. What's her first name, Dr. Martini? What's huh? Her, what's her first Betty. name? Betty. Betty? Betty Martini? Yeah. So Betty Martini says, look out, Smucker's Preserves has poison in it. It has Splenda. Splenda is an insecticide. Oh, Splenda. Oh, so yeah, anything with Splenda in it. You know, I've had the Splenda stuff. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. Yeah, it's it. insecticide. It's a poison. <laughs> I do See? like the natural stuff better, I will admit. Paula, thanks for the alert. Well, let Appreciate me explain it. how they did that. Nah, that's okay. You'll call us again. 800-259-9231. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. So enjoy those on us. And those features include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and take a look at shrine.freetalklive.com. Do you need a new computer but don't seem to have money or credit to buy one? MyPCCredit.com is your answer. Finance top quality new computers and laptops and hundreds of other electronics. There are no credit checks, no turndowns. If you're 18 years or older and have proof of income, you're approved. Prices start at just $22 a month. Go to MyPCCredit.com. Finance your new computer today. That's MyPCCredit.com. 1-800-259-9231. To the phones, to the fun. Matt in Illinois on the amplifier line. Hello, Matt. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, did something kind of cool this weekend. Okay. I, I had a, uh, I have an older coworker. He's 87 years old. He is older. Was, yeah. <laughs> he was asking me if I had planned on putting a Ron Paul bumper sticker on my car. And I told him, no, I didn't do the bumper sticker things. Hmm. So I was, uh... Now, wait a minute. Do you have, a, like, a really nice car, like a luxury car or something? I just don't like having to take bumper stickers off when I'm done with them. Yeah, I see. I, I don't really like them either. I have one on my car. Some of them... It's now, wait a, a minute. Ron Paul. I sticker. have a technique. I have a technique for this. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess it depends on the kind of adhesive, because some bumper stickers are really cheap adhesive, and it'll leave the adhesive when you pull it off. But here's the way I do it. I put the bumper sticker on... And on the very bottom right or left corner, depending on which way I put it on, I fold the corner in on itself. So I just sort of fold just the little lip of the corner in so it sticks to the backing. That way there's just this little edge that you can get your fingernail under very easily in order to slowly remove the sticker from your car. And you can actually pull off bumper stickers without, I mean, if you pull them slow enough, you can usually not even leave any adhesive. And it's very easy. You don't have to pick, 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 pick to try to get the edge to come up. It's already up, so you just sort of lift it and, and remove it. That's my little little tip. I don't know if that'll change your mind or anything, but go ahead with your story. Oh, that's that's all cool. I, 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 got, I did something better. Okay. What I did was I went to ronpaulstuff.com and bought one of those big rear window stickers. The vinyl ones. That says Ron Paul Revolution. Sweet. And so I've got this big sticker on my back window. I got a minivan. Mm-hmm. So it says Ron Paul Revolution. I put it on on Saturday. I uh, went to pick up my kids and uh, driving down the highway, all kinds of cars going left and right. I don't see any any bumper stickers anywhere. All of a sudden, this guy in a truck pulls in front of me. He's got Ron Paul bumper stickers on his mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going, oh, cool, another Ron Paul supporter right in front of me, and then he pulls alongside of me, and we're just kind of driving together, and I keep looking over, and he's not looking at me, so I figure, oh, he just doesn't want to be bothered. And then I'm pulling off, as I'm pulling off the highway, I look over there, and he's giving me this big wave, and I stuck my, my hand out the window and waved at him. <laughs> Neat kind of camaraderie thing. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. So yeah. I... Um, I got that, and then I got another uh, little small vinyl sticker put on my side window that says uh, uh, Ron Paul 2008. Now, now, these are the ones that just adhere because of static cling, basically? No. No. No, they're much better than that. They have a sticky backing, and you have to take off one side, and then you put the sticky backing on your, you clean your window, and then you put the sticky backing on your window, mm-hmm. and then you've got to be real careful when you're pulling off the other side. And uh, you kind of, you know, do it slowly and hold each letter in place. And uh, you're supposed to you rub it with a credit card first to make sure that it's sticking real good. And then uh, if there's any little bubbles, you got to pop them and, and rub it on real good. There was, there was no little bubbles on mine. Now, wait a minute. Now, is this going to be difficult to get off? No. No, these should not be difficult to get off at all. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. When it's, when it's done, which is, why, which is why I did it. And also, you know, I said I wasn't going to put... Um, bumper stickers on, and I didn't. I put, didn't put there any bumper go. stickers on. You've gone bigger and better. Now, I'm curious, what are the costs involved here? I mean, what did you have to pay for a full-size window sticker, and then how long did it take to install it? It was 18.95 for the sticker. That seems pretty cheap. Yes, that seems pretty yes. good. And it was, uh, and it says, it's the Ron Paul, it's the revolution with the backwards love and yeah. the tilted and everything. It, and it's the, in the color, blue. like the, the red and everything? Yes, the letters are white, and then the, the love part is red. And it just looks really cool on the car. That's very sharp. How long did it take to install? It took um, maybe uh, 45 minutes because I did it real carefully. Okay. And um, uh, a true Ron Paul fanatic would, I think, be on board for something like that. And then it was um, something like 10 bucks for shipping. So the whole deal cost me like $32 for that in the small little uh, ronpaul2008.com. And, you know, if you do a lot of driving, if you're a delivery man or something like that, then, I mean, that's well worth the investment. The more people see it, uh, the you know, the better off, the, the more right. valuable it is. It takes me uh, an hour every day to get to work, and I'm driving on some pretty busy, heavily traveled roads. There you There's go. a lot of people seeing it. Matt, good yeah, job, man. Yeah. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Now, did he say that was uh, Ron Paul Stuff that's yeah, selling that did one? RonPaulStuff.com. Yeah, they have nice ones there. 800-259-9231. All right, so I said we were going to get to this story. A U.S. soldier from Reuters who said his Christian beliefs compelled him to love his enemies and not kill them. Shocker, huh? Like <laughs> a Christian that actually believes in what he supposed to believe? has been granted conscientious objector, uh, objector status and honorably discharged, according to a civil liberties group. Captain Peter Brown, who served in Iraq for more than a year and was a graduate of the elite U.S. Military Academy at West Point, said in a statement issued by the New York Civil Liberties Union that he was relieved that the Army had recognized his beliefs made it impossible for him to serve. He said, In following Jesus' example, I could not have fired my weapon at another human being, even if he were shooting at me, said Brown, who plans to continue seminary classes he began by correspondence while in Iraq. While in Iraq, Brown uh, processed insurgents and detainees. He said he had no conflict between his faith and military service until after he graduated from West Point in 2004 and actually began to study scripture and his belief. During his Iraq deployment, he applied for discharge as a conscientious objector, but the request was denied. According to the NYCLU, uh, then in July of this year, they, them and... uh, uh, 
combination with the ACLU, asked a federal court to order the honorable discharge. According to the NYCLU, quote, before the court acted, the Army reconsidered the issue, this time granting Brown's request. Do you think that's because if the court were to act and grant it, that that would somehow maybe make it so others in the Army could use that as precedent? It, to, would, it, would, it would add some precedent, sure. To get out. So that yeah. way the Army just want to, you know, brush this under the rug. Okay, let's let this guy out, and hopefully nobody else will ask. That kind well, of thing. yeah, the Army doesn't want to make it uh, where you could just say, I'm a conscientious objector, right. and then you could leave. They want to make it so that you say, I'm a conscientious, conscientious objector, and I object so vociferously, I'm, I'm going, going to, to stick you. with this for... Weeks, months, years, yeah. years, really, is what they want. Yeah, I'm not going to be a good functioning part of your machine, unfortunately. So right. Well, I don't, I don't see they, why they, they don't want those guys out. A whole bunch of really good functioning uh, parts of their yeah. machine. Just found that very. Just found that an interesting little story. Like, you know, maybe it's not that hard to get out of the military. Just, and you know, we were talking earlier about the teeth situation. I wonder what happens in the British military. You know, because they already have bad teeth. Yeah, they already so have bad teeth. So how do you get out? You know, you can't do that. Now, uh, Laura and uh, my, my wife and I today were talking about uh, bureaucracy, and and she used to be a state employee. Right. And um, it's you know what it's like working there, and. Like, there are some good state workers out there. My my mm-hmm. wife worked very hard, and uh, she sort of blew away all the numbers, and it made it look bad for the rest of the bureaucrats and right. that kind of thing. But her boss was also one of those kind of people that worked very hard and um, didn't use all of her sick days and, and that kind of thing. And um, I would imagine they're the exception instead of the rule. I would, uh, absolutely, to the point that it's difficult to get things done with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just like, ugh. I'll do it myself, right? Yeah. You know, and and that's how it Did is. You get that paperwork done for me? No. So then it, it then then it ruins um, communication because yeah. you're not communicating with your uh you know coworkers and just <laughs> all kinds of stuff, and that's sort of the that 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 is the inefficiency of bureaucracy. Yeah. Even the the good ones have they're not as effective as they would be in the private uh you know private workplace because absolutely true they're working with all this. Red, that's why they call it red tape. Right. Bureaucracy is red tape, and it was in, the word, the term was invented for government. There's no real incentive to be outstanding. There really isn't in in the world of bureaucracy. There's there's no real incentive. You're going to get a sweet paycheck, whether or not you do what you're supposed to be doing. If you've been there long enough, you probably can't even be fired, so you can really slack off and not do what you're supposed to do. And even the things that you're supposed to do are awful in general. I mean, if you work for certain bureaucracy, it means separating people from their money or taking away their freedoms in the case of the war on drugs. So, I mean, just, it's got to be an awful, awful life as a bureaucrat. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Marijuana advocate commits suicide. We'll explain. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The features there for free. Archives, Shrine of Female Listeners, updates. It's all on the house. Now, we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, as hundreds of our listeners have done. You just go to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about the program and get signed up. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in three bucks a month, and we take that money in, and we turn it right back around and reinvest it in the show to get on more radio stations and thereby spread the message of freedom and liberty. And if that's valuable to you, 
and it's worth three bucks a month, then go to amp.freetalklive.com and you'll learn about the perks you get, like access to the amp only call in lines, chat room, for, uh, forum, and more. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. Quick story from Missoula, Montana. Since we got Montana listening this hour, Missoula woman who was an outspoken advocate for the medical use of marijuana has committed suicide. Robin Prosser, who went on a 60-day hunger strike in 2002 to raise awareness, because you know what, there are these uh, there are these guys. I think it's send the right send the right message dot com. It's an organization that's out of New Hampshire. They've yeah. been going around asking presidential candidates questions about marijuana, trying to corner them into having to actually answer a question You're about have one of them on our show tomorrow. Medical marijuana. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah. Um, and. What's interesting is that the responses from these guys are just really just low. Like John McCain saying things like, well, I've never seen any evidence that uh, medical marijuana, medical uh, people have been arrested for marijuana. And then they ended up showing him the evidence, and he continued to deny it. He yeah, just well, denied they, the evidence. They don't, they don't right. want to hear that. Uh, so it's like, and then some people will say, well, this is just a wedge issue. They're trying to legalize it for everybody. And while that might be true, there are certainly people that want to legalize it for everybody. I want to legalize it for everybody. But I still think that the medical uh, marijuana in and of itself is a singular issue. And there's, it doesn't make any sense to me that we would keep that illegal. There are people out there who do not believe there are medical marijuana patients. They don't believe it. And I just... I find it hard to believe there would be anybody who would be a recreational marijuana smoker that would go on a 60-day hunger strike over it. I mean, look, I like my marijuana and everything, but I'm not going to go on a 60-day hunger strike for it. This lady, on the other hand, Robin Prosser, uh, did it in 2002 to raise awareness of the issue and campaign for Montana's medical marijuana law in 2004. Uh, She died earlier this month. Killed herself. The Montana Medical Marijuana Act passed in 2004 allows patients to use marijuana if they suffer from diseases like cancer and HIV or if they have chronic pain. Those who are prescribed medical marijuana can grow their own or designate a caregiver to grow or obtain the marijuana for them. In late March, a package containing less than an ounce of marijuana that a caregiver shipped to Prosser via UPS was seized by the Federal Drug Enforcement Agency, even though the agency verified that both Prosser and her caregiver were registered with the state. Prosser said at the time, quote, I don't see how they can deny me a thing that saves my life. I can't eat without it. Oh, man. She said marijuana is the only thing that eases the pain caused by a lupus-related autoimmune disorder. She said she can't tolerate some prescription pain relievers, and others just don't work. In late July, the Billings Gazette ran a guest opinion by Prosser, who said the DEA seizure forced her to beg for rides to Kalispell twice monthly in order to pick up her medical marijuana. She said, I feel immensely let down. I have no safety, no protection, and no help to survive in a little less pain. I can't even get a job due to my medical marijuana use. Can't pass a drug test. But in order to be able to function and to get up and work, I must have the only medicine that helps me. Her letter concluded, maybe the next campaign ought to be for assisted suicide laws in our state. If they won't allow me to live in peace and a little less pain, would they help me die humanely? She killed herself because she couldn't get her hands on the drug, the marijuana, that was helping her stay alive, was helping her put food in her belly. So she took her own life. Mm, and this sad. isn't the first this isn't the first time we reported on a story last year about an activist in California who took his own life over this situation with the, the federal government refusing to allow these people in 
the state, the individual states, to make decisions that contradict federal uh, federal law. People are killing themselves over this. Well, you know, if if something's painful enough. Yeah, you do want to die instead of live through right. it. And how many how many recreational marijuana users are going to, you know, cut out their bowels because they can't get a, you know, puff on a joint? I mean, I understand some people claim to Jones a little bit, but nobody's going to kill no recreational marijuana smoker is going to kill themselves over not being able to smoke marijuana. Sure doesn't make any sense. It's just would. it's it's a fact. Marijuana helps people that are sick. Many many people with a variety of different problems are helped by this drug, and it's just outrageous that these government people could give a flip. They That's just don't care. So terrible. Let's continue with the phone calls. You can bring up anything. Just wanted to share that one with you because it's just it's just a sad one. Let's go to Rob in Georgia on the Amplifier line. You're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind tonight, Rob? Hey, I wanted to talk about Saturday's show where you guys were talking about uh, the trend of there being scantily clad very young girls even uh, prior to puberty. Yes, mm. a very disturbing trend in my opinion. Yeah, I was finding it kind of interesting the uh, sort of difference of, of opinion between uh, the show's resident socialist, and if, uh, <laughs> if everything, and if, if Mark's descriptions are to be believed, the world's only atheist monk. No, uh, okay. Is your lifestyle. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that I think that you guys definitely had both kind of had some elements of truth on this. One of the things that I do find a lot of it disturbing, uh, not because I believe that it's going to cause you know these girls to grow up to be these ravenous whores or anything like that. But I think that I think my my wife and I talked about it for a bit, and she said that she felt that the girls would end up essentially competing with one another to sexualize themselves as they got older, and they would really trivialize their own intelligence. And sure. by the same token, the men would also trivialize their intelligence because they see them as being essentially purely sexual sort of creatures. Absolutely. Um, I think you're I think she's absolutely right. Look at what we have today. That's what we've got. We've got these girls that they spend their free time on their makeup and their hair instead of enriching themselves in some real tangible concrete fashion. Yes, and, and I actually and I think there's another danger which uh you know Mark was saying that he really wasn't that terribly disturbed by it because he didn't find them, you know, a young girl being Sexual. And I agree with that. The thing that I find um, I think is going to be damaging to them is that if you develop the attitude that this way of dressing is normal, what's going to end up happening is when you go on those job interviews or when you show up at, at, at uh, various sorts of events, that's the way you're going to dress because that is normal. I've seen too many times where I go to work or I've seen uh, like at a job interview and, and a girl is dressed completely inappropriate. I mean, she's very intelligent and wow. attractive, but it's like... It's, it's so far beyond the pale the way that she's dressed that no one, honestly, is going to take her seriously for that job. She's no one, no one took her aside and explained to her that, uh, you know, look, sweetie, this isn't appropriate. No one has ever done that with her. How, how bad are these parents today? It's the same, the same with boys. I mean, they, I've, I've seen young men go to uh, job interviews and, and just Absolutely. not look the way they should. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I, I agree with that. But I, and I think that that is one of the things which which is very important for any sort of a parent to teach them. Rather than having your child having to unlearn bad habits, teach them the good habits. Yeah, no doubt about point. it. So, uh, so Rob, does I guess that means that you wouldn't allow your daughter to uh, parade around at age 10 wearing uh, shorts that say juicy on the back of them? No, and, I'm, and, and you know, I, she and I were actually in the grocery store the other day, and I saw a cashier. girl looked like she may have been something like 15, first mm-hmm. job, you know, 15, 16, and she had these huge earrings that said sexy. And, you know, and I'm like, 
this is a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Uh, Julia works as a manager at a restaurant, mm. and she she says it's like babysitting all day, almost. Like, one of the most difficult things, these people are capable of putting sandwiches together and that sort of thing, but they seem to be completely incapable, some of them, of tucking their shirts in, of, uh, you know, wearing their hats straight on their head. Or pants or pants that are made for their waist size. Yeah. Right. Not yeah. the waist size of, you know, some portly guy. She's like the, po- the, the, the uniform police, and she doesn't want to be doing this. She wants to be doing other things with her, uh, her work day, but she has to keep enforcing these rules because the kids continue to, you know, cr- crook their hat to the side and, and untuck their shirts. I mean, this is what she's dealing with. We shouldn't have to be dealing with this crap in the workplace. So silly. I agree. I mean, that's the sort of thing that you definitely need to be taught early on. Yeah. Rob, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Good hearing sure. from you. 800-259-9231. Gardner, you didn't have a chance to comment on this story, but the, I'm sure you've noticed this trend. Mark claims he never he's never noticed it. Uh, the, the the trend of sexualization of right, early young pre-teen girls, girls wearing yeah. these uh, just revealing uh, clothes yeah. that are supposed to be sexy when these girls couldn't possibly be sexy. Uh, you know, They're it's too interesting. Young for that. Uh, my uh, former girlfriend and I had a, a conversation about that. She is a conservative Republican, but has taught uh, uh, women's studies and so she's really strong on feminist stuff and uh she said that well it's our it's our male dominated culture that drives these girls they make them get sexualized very early and uh, so somebody just told me another woman so said, it's all oh, guys yeah, fault? um just like the male dominated cultures in the islamic world let's get over it. the men are not driving this women see guys respond to it young girls pick up on it mm-hmm. the fashion industry gets into it and then young girls think it's acceptable you got it. It has been Ian here with you. And Gart. And Mark. Join us online in the meantime between tomorrow night and now at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.